Welcome everyone, welcome to Haptic Feedback, a podcast about video games and computer technology. I'm your host Joel, and with me is my hosts Al and Jay. Together we make up the Haptic Feedback. In this episode we talk about the metaverse. What the F is it? The state of VR in 2022. Virtually there? PC games hardware in 2022. Who else has the fastest gaming CPU now? PlayStation multiplayer? live service, PlayStation Productions, and the PS Plus revamp. What's the plan? Steam Deck, is it a catalyst for portable comebacks? And will Jay ever stop talking about Destiny? Without further ado, let's talk tech. Alright guys, you know, welcome to the haptic feedback. So I've decided to rename this thing, you know. <laughs> let's let's change it up a little bit for this year. I mean Al, let's start with you. I mean how how you been going recently? Uh, work is killing me, that's all I'm gonna say. I'll I'll try not to uh, moan about it too much. <laughs> <laughs> and a and a and a little break from work through um, you know, uh, uh going back to my family's place for a bit for a week and then uh that, that didn't last too long in terms of uh, at least a, <laughs> a bit of a reset. Um, <laughs> yeah, that that that's me at the moment. NJ, how about yourself? How's it how's it been going? Yeah, it's been good. I've uh, been playing some other stuff other than Destiny. Um, well done. Which is which is which feels nice. Um, I'm just being obsessively watching fighting game videos on YouTube and researching on gaming fighting sticks as well. So uh, that's been my latest obsession. Otherwise, good. Yeah, thanks. How are you? Yeah, good. Good. Ticking, ticking along. Um, getting my feet under the table in my new job. So I'm enjoying that. You know, it's kind of refreshing being in a company where where it feels like you're doing stuff. That's the only thing I can say about that. So I'm, I'm, in, I'm enjoying that trying to do a little bit more with um, the podcast and you know stuff like that and really not playing a lot of games but I, I have started kind of like playing stuff like the, the Last of Us again just so I can just kind of aim to finish it off I mean it's a story driven game you kind of want to finish it off and ultimately kind of trying to enjoy the, the improved weather we have in this country if you know what I mean oh, wonderful yeah it, 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 it is Certainly feel happier when the sun comes yeah, out. Yeah, it's making me feel a, a little <laughs> bit, a little bit more kind of human. I would say, you know what I mean? Because uh, it, feel, it feels like we had a really long, drawn-out winter. That's that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, it does feel like that. Yeah, a bit of vitamin D goes a long way. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, long may that continue, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, anyway, chaps, I, we've got quite a bit to get into. You know, the gaming news cycle never stops, and you know, we've got some interesting topics to get into. So let's get into the first topic. Okay, guys, for this topic, I kind of want to get into the metaverse. And really, I've titled this WTF is the metaverse. What the <laughs> F is it? Yeah, okay. So before we, we kick off, what I want to do is just kind of give you some information, set the scene, give some context to this, okay? So 
what I did is I looked for a definition of the metaverse and I, I went to that golden source, you know, that that Bible of information <laughs> on the internet. Twitter. Uh, uh, Wikipedia. <laughs> 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 and I got a definition and I'll, I'll read it verbatim and it's basically a metaverse is a network of 3D virtual worlds focused on social connection. In futurism and science fiction, it is often described as the hypothetical iteration of the internet as a single universal virtual world that is facilitated by the use of virtual and augmented reality headsets. Basically, it sounds like somebody in a marketing department wrote that. <laughs> but anyway, moving on from that, how I've heard it coined is Web 3.0. And to some, it might be even 10.0 given that it's so far out there. The phrase was actually coined by a 1992 book called Snow Crush. It's an old term, okay? And I think in modern times, you know, obviously we have seen Ready Player One, but if you think about it, we've seen The Matrix, we've seen obviously Star Trek Next Gen with the holodeck, and we've also seen Tron, all have their kind of versions of what a, a metaverse could look like, yeah? So, guys, I mean, let's get into it, but I mean, thinking about this, you have companies who are making really big bets on a metaverse, <laughs> to a point where Facebook rebranded themselves to Meta, to build this metaverse platform, and I think, Jay, you, you said it as well, like, there's a, a slow or not slow march going towards the metaverse, got things like games as a service, we got in Nvidia's Omniverse, which if I read out the definition of it, is a easily extensible platform for 3D design collaboration. We have Xbox and PlayStation looking at free-to-play in-game ads and monetization. And in one way, I think that's gonna feed into what the metaverse could turn into. And is the metaverse already here in the form of Fortnite, MMOs, live service games? So. Let's let's get started. Al, I'll start with you. What do you, what do you think? I mean, is is this just another kind of tech gold rush? Is it the next evolution of the internet? Yeah, I, I think we. I mean, we touched upon it at a previous one, right? I guess maybe overlapping with the VRs type stuff. But I think it is another gold rush kind of thing. It's, it, I mean, the metaverse itself and actually just virtual worlds really have been there for a very long time. You know, we did mention uh, PlayStation, you know, Home and, and other things. And actually, if you look at, I would say, I would say the closest one that you've got today is GTA Five. Like that's that's the that's that's the one I think is 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 the one that's closest to it. The rest of them, I don't think they're anywhere near, to be honest. Um, and I think um, things like Facebook doing their their renaming, they've probably shot themselves in the foot. And I think it's not quite there. The accessibility just isn't there. Yeah, I think it's a gold rush. And I think the only other comment I think was, I think you, you kind of mentioned Web 3.0, but I think Web 3.0 is more tied to blockchain NFT type stuff, which um, <laughs> I, I'm not convinced is actually the correct, mo correct move. Um, so I wouldn't coin it Web 3.0. Well, I, I would say the whole um, blockchain NFT probably speaks to the economy of this metaverse. Mm. Mm -hmm. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the other two aspects that, I've heard described around Web 3.0 is the 
decentralization of data so the users have more control over their data and the original internet also has wasn't really designed to deal with finance and, uh, and money in, in, in the way that it should have. And so the crypto and blockchain allows all of all those things to happen in, in, a, in a much safer way. And I know we're nowhere, nowhere near that now, but there's so many definitions of a metaverse, aren't there? And in the same way that people take their existing product <laughs> and say it's AI driven. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, they, and they had the same code and the same models and everything and just calling ai it's kind of kind of what's happening with the metaverse right it, it just it, it's it's currently at a marketing stage but for me i think it's i think we all agree it's where we're going to head over the next 10 15 20 50 years 100 years where we'll be connected more so than we are with, uh, with each human if you think about our phones right we're not physically connected, but we are on our phones all the time. <laughs> so some people argue oh, that we're already part of a, a pseudo metaverse <laughs> because we are already connected, mm, mm. right? I, I, I think at some point we'll get to uh, where you'll be able to connect to it without a, a headset. It'd be, it'd be frictionless yeah. and you'll be seamlessly going between the real world uh, and another world, which is artificial. But you'd be able to do things in the artificial world that you can't do in the real world, um, uh, uh, and I think that's where that's all, all of it, it will head. And I don't think it will replace the real world, but things such as education and entertainment, I can certainly see it providing things that you you just can't do right uh, in in the real world. So I, I find it a very exciting place, and. I think it also gives, coming back to gaming, I think it gives a North Star for gaming companies uh, and the publishers and the gaming platform owners to just to stretch their games a little bit more, nudge it forward for the next evolution of game mechanics and uh, gaming engines, everything. I, I I think on the net it's a positive thing, mm. but I, I coming back to what Al said, it at the moment it's been abused for the gold rush, <laughs> which you get with every round of innovation. Yeah. So they'll go through that standard boom and bust, um, and we'll come out of it with the stuff that actually is valuable and will stick. Yeah. So I think it's an exciting exciting thing to ha to happen. I just hope it I hope it doesn't take. <laughs> 20 years and most of our yeah. core lifetime is gone and we're, we're on our deathbeds and then everyone's connecting up into the metaverse and living forever i mean i mean part of it <laughs> part, part of it is that definition of saying that it has to be augmented reality or virtual virtual reality headsets that's just not you don't i don't think that's a requirement honestly like the vir, there are plenty of virtual worlds that you don't need that and and if you imagine like you know, okay, you could because because Fortnite also pens the term metaverse to avoid not being a game. You know that 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 was that's what it was trying to do, and if it opened up where people could put their own content in, like an actual open world, allow people to put stuff in. Can you imagine GTA Five, where literally people could put their own content in? And I have a point that speaks to exactly that. Mm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, and. Guys, I mean, ultimately, the so-called metaverse and why, and I think more to the point, why are people so interested in it? Why are companies so interested in it? 
I mean, the reality is, is, is it, and it's funny I should use the word reality, I mean, is it really about where they see people spend most of their time for work and, and leisure? Is it ultimately where the money's going to be? I, I think that's the wrong question, because I think we're already doing that. When, you, when you're in your spare time, like we are now, looking into a screen, having a, a, a Skype call, or playing on the PlayStation or Xbox, I think we're we're in the metaverse then. Yeah. <laughs> I don't see it being anything different. Yeah. What's different, so, what could be different, is the number of people. The, so then I think, I think the immersion level will mm. increase. I think that's the difference, yeah. right? So the fact that all of your friends and family and colleagues colleagues at work you can ch- you can chat to them on a whether comms platform you've got in your workplace or whatsapp or your community you have access to that instant access to all those people so you're, you're already in direct communication all the time you might not think it because you're not actually typing to them but you're always online yeah <laughs> it's just the immersion level is where where where, where we increase in intensity yeah and I actually heard I heard Elon Musk on a on a Joe Rogan podcast talk about this this fact that we're already connected and we're kind of half we're half we're cyborgs already. <laughs> when, 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 when do we when do you go anywhere without your phone? We're being I would say softened up or desensitized for that moment where we make it into this so-called metaverse because you're right we're we're hundred percent hundred percent we're always connected. I'm connected at work when I'm doing work and then on my left hand side I pick up my phone you know you might be looking at Twitter or something like that you're connected we've got fridges and kitchen appliances that are connected your IOTs there's all sorts of things and you're probably right we're we're closer to this so-called metaverse than we may may really under understand that we are we're, we're already in it yeah. Elon Musk talks about this 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 this, this world you know, a high chance of being a simulation anyway. If you come back to the VR thing, what is the difference between a physical PlayStation VR headset putting your eyes and you're seeing a bunch, a world, versus the two eyes that you've got on your physical body taking light and you interpreting that information? It's the same thing. Yeah, it's just your belief in um, your. In, yeah, you believe yeah. what you is connected to you, and and, and this is real. So is this is this the mind shift? And I can imagine a world where the virtual world and real world, people don't have that same distinction, the same <laughs> level of distinction that we have. It will be just these two worlds exist, and in the real world, I have to do these things in order to keep them alive, and then maybe all my my work and social life and um, entertainment and whatever else work gets created you know get, has to be done in that metaverse i can i can see that you, i can you see probably work offices in... offices all closing down and everyone's living where they want to we have far less pollution than the real world <laughs> and think everything's being done in 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 the metaverse isn't it it's just well the, it's, the it's, remote uh... working question yeah and the way we communicate yeah and it's all it's pretty much remote you know it's virtual and it's becoming the norm now. I mean, people yeah. are not going back to offices in in droves. I would say, people are, are you know even even now that the pandemic is somewhat lessened. I don't I don't see. I mean, in my own situation, 
when I'm in the office, I, there are days where I'm one of two. They're not. They're just not doing it. If you know what I mean, it's not. It's it's no longer the norm in their minds. And that I think that that hastens our our journey towards this so-called metaverse. Yeah, whatever form it, it it takes. And you know, God knows, right? Um, if we ever get closer to the final form of the metaverse, all someone needs to do is trigger another pan- pandemic, <laughs> and we're all kind of latch onto it. If you know what I mean. Maybe I, I I think ultimately it depends on the services and the purpose of it, right? So so don't forget that whilst we are connected to our phones and stuff, we're not necessarily a different person. We're still the same person. We're still doing that that same stuff. I think the the, the advantages of a of a virtual world or a metaverse it allows you to be a completely different persona, right? And I think you know whether whether they can actually make that work or not, and whether they could make you really go into a completely different role and and, and role playing and stuff. Um, I'm not quite sure that 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 they're necessarily there. Yeah, but just on that, that that, that that's uh, just a construct of where we are now. If you mm. if you live in a certain place or work for a certain company or have a certain hobbies, you create your own persona, mm. and society creates it. It's not a real thing. Well, yeah, I mean, even, so, even so, there's so, an so, argument from a you know there's a work <laughs> like social styles, right? So even when you go to work. You actually put on a different work style than your, yeah. than your even natural style, right? So um, exactly. yeah, there's, there's a all that sort of stuff, which is quite interesting um, when you're trying to, trying to glean it out. So. You, flick a, you flick a switch, right? <laughs> you know? You're, I mean, and you might say, like, right now, there's people who have an online presence, and that isn't who they are in, mm. the, physical, in the physical world, right? So that's, you know, that's uh, not difficult to believe. Not, not at all. Uh, what's what's and just uh, bringing it back to the gaming lens, what do you guys think is the short and medium term impacts of metaversing on gaming? Okay, from that perspective, I, I think let's bring it back to what how we get to the metaverse and maybe what constitutes or contributes to the metaverse. And I personally broke it down into kind of a number of things. Yeah, and in in no order of I would say importance or priority, but I, I I thought to myself, VR and AR, so virtual reality in augmented reality, and not for every kind of like a uh, form of the metaverse, but that might be let's say closer to the end state, or the final form if you like your anime, yeah, Dragon Ball it away. Um, the internet itself, obviously had to be there in order for us to have a metaverse because that's how we're connected in my view metaverse is back connection I was thinking to myself like internet of things you know where the virtual and real life overlaps internet of things your console is amongst the internet of things isn't it your PC is under the internet of things isn't it yeah Yeah, it is they're learning more about us basically on our console and then our PCs than we could ever understand as well and then services and for us it's about game services so the game passes and the PS pluses and whatever else and I think it's all about that really I kind of think the metaverse is going to be about all of that coming together in stages and when we're not we're not really talking about the service we're not talking about VR or AR or the internet, or that our consoles basically divulging our deepest, darkest secrets, right? It's just one thing contributing to that whole, yeah? And I, I think it will start off with, let's say, 
game services and live service games those are the sorts of metaverses let's say that people want to plug themselves into right now you know we're not we don't really want to plug ourselves into the metaverse for practicalities we want to do it for escapism is what i'm thinking but that that, that that's the current construct right mm. but i i can i can imagine where a time when all work is done or a majority of work done is done in the metaverse because of cost and there is more powerful tools to do better things faster in the metaverse let's just make this up doing finance yeah <laughs> you can do totally. graphical models and you can visualize stuff and and therefore it's a, a place of creating a source of income your main source of income that i can very much see that being happening and yeah. i give you I, nvidia's omniverse <laughs> I, I mean, I think I, I think the main thing that you could really be going after is stuff like the conventions, right? Uh, like E3 or something. If you could actually make a virtual world for that, mm. I mean, that yeah. would be amazing. Yeah, that would be. You could go and up to. It could have the. You could do the whole thing, whole E3, couldn't you? You could. That'd be amazing for marketing, seeing, playing games. Yeah. Speaking to developers. Yeah, I think that's got to be maybe a facet of it. But, you know, being a bit old-fashioned, I kind of really would miss the whole, you know, the whole, let's go well, maybe, yeah. maybe you could be there in person, as well yeah, as a virtual world of the absolutely. same exact thing. Absolutely. Um, but what, what, what much of the experience was virtually, really <laughs> should have a word here, <laughs> indistinguishable from real life. Mm. Because when we think about... VR now, we think it in, in the constraints of what you can do now. That's not going to be the case in 10 years' time, is it? No, I mean, I, I, I don't think so. It's a difficult one. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, right, um, humans like that interpersonal engagement when it's all said and done. We want to shake somebody's hand, if you know what I mean. Ah, uh, but, uh, but sorry, I'll try to cut across mm. here. But like, for, for example, they're. they're and I know Elon Musk is working on this. I'm just using this as an example. He's, he's, he overinflates what he can do anyway. But he, he talks about uh, this neural link product that they're yeah, engaging. Yeah. Where you're connecting directly into the brain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you wouldn't have to. I'm just extrapolating but, out. You may not have to actually have a glove that you wear on your physical hand. And you feel like you're touching stuff. The sensory things will be sent yeah. to the brain. So it will... They they can send signals to your brain to make you think it's real, even though it's visually yeah. might not look as real mm. as the real. Yes, uh, it's, or, or it can get to that level of fidelity. That's, it that's the matrix. It, it, it's all about the immersion, <laughs> really, because like it is the matrix. Yeah, because, because there's stuff like you know, I was you know, I was playing World of Warcraft for so many years. I built some really great connections with a lot of people from around the world, uh, kind of in there, mm. and. You know, actually, in, 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 in one case, we actually did eventually meet in person, which was really quite, quite nice. Mm. Um, but, mm. but you know, I, I had some great interactions with those guys. I, I did, you know, days where I didn't go on, I would miss them. You know, I would miss that interaction with them online. You know, it's interesting. I mean, right now, obviously, um, the initial metaverse, right, it's just a tool to supplement, I think, real life. But to Jay's point, at, you know, at one point, you know, um, in time, if we could replicate how we feel then you know all bets are off right mm. but let's say you're born now and by the time you get your teens 
things are being done in such a way it's mostly on the metaverse and then you get into your 20s you're not going to be used to the same level of physical yeah, interaction absolutely, absolutely. that the previous generation are mm, so absolutely. it's not going to be an it, it it's almost like a barrier we've created for in our generation absolutely well think about it this way right for me when i started out the internet was new google was new now my nieces in their generation they've got their own youtube channel they tweet <laughs> yeah they you know they they twitch that is all sorts of things that's so normal it's normal do you know what i mean whereas we're, i'm looking at them for how's this normal yeah but it's normal and then the next the next generation who knows what they're going to get up to if vr ar becomes more of a you know a normal thing and it's accessible and the barrier entry is low yeah who knows i think you 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 but i think kids will go to school and it's all in the metaverse potentially yeah and then by the time they come out it's, it's you know the jobs are in the metaverse yeah, yeah yeah and i can see yeah like 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 you say jay i, I think i can see jobs literally in the metaverse right even in virtual worlds as well yeah i mean maybe i'm old-fashioned but i mean like i'm not really sure i want that basically universe <laughs> to exist no, no, no. But, so there's, there's, there's a distinction between what we want yeah. and what the what's going to happen and, and, and what's uh, but i i think there is a baseline where our bodies our genes have been constructed um, to live in the real world and if certain things aren't met our health deteriorates and that barrier of minimal things that are needed you know some exercise getting real sun having food <laughs> about a real physical social interaction that, that keeps our body nurtured that was always going to be a barrier because we were not, were not going to be able to progress to human genetics in order for some of those things to be not impacted by living in a virtual world and that's been already stretched now by being always online connected <laughs> yeah, correct, correct and that limit has already been yeah. tested so i think that there, there is a limit to how this will work oh. but i i kind of think for, for yeah, time, we're, yeah we're going we're, we're going to kind of science fiction territory at the moment and you know ultimately that could be the way that human race is kind of headed but just kind of rewinding it a little bit back now talking about games right video games the whole vr ar the internet whatever that is uh oits consoles and services you know i i think for me the metaverse right now should be about transporting us to fantastic worlds or places yeah that yeah we, of course we can communicate and engage absolutely I don't know as gamers would we want to communicate and engage in a place that looks like a bloody uh kind of office <laughs> you know we don't want that right and i think for now for now for gamers i mean it's just about getting us to that spot and this is there's one thing i was thinking about this like we the, you know we talked about uh playstation home the last podcast i think how you were saying um and we were saying right it was it's it's a vr ready you know uh offering Mm. True, true, but God, it was boring. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> the 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 base was there. Yeah, they the base, just didn't take the it to that next there. stage. Yeah, 
what is that next stage because i'm this is where I, I as much as i believe in the metaverse i'm not mm. clear on what the next stage would be to really entice me and and i and and i before you answer that question right i i i strongly believe that gaming is going to be the first kind of let's say domain that's really going to drive and shape the metaverse i think we're the most amenable to it because we're you know yeah, exactly. we're already we're, we're already diving into these virtual worlds whether it's mm. for vr or something else and we already yeah, bought yeah. into the universes that the, these kind of games give us so yeah and, and also also the games companies are producing the most immersive enticing great type of things people want to engage with so but even us being gamers and and, and me speaking on my own behalf right it I, I i still don't know what that next step would be that would really entice me as an individual so so if you treat playstation home as it was right it needed to yeah. go to as 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 Joe has kind of put, it needs to be about services. There needs to be a reason for you to be in there. There needs to be content. There needs to be a reason. You know, there's some interesting stuff around. Um, I don't know if you've seen what people do on VR chat, where they just go into rooms and just do random crap. And some of these rooms may be very specific as to what they want to do. But being able to bring people together of those sorts of in that sort of nature to talk about certain things be quite nice. And then the things that I suggested around E3 additional content where people can get access to it and then a, a reason to be there why should you spend time there you know if you get if you accumulate accumulate currency of some sort within that environment just being in that environment or doing things in that environment or contributing to that environment and of which you then get rewards on say skins furniture all this all that stuff it gives you a reason to do it, it gives you a reason to spend time in there but but they just didn't they just didn't get to that point everything was microtransactions, you need to pay for this, pay for that. No one wanted to spend time in there because it was just dead. It was just empty. Yeah, but, but that's where the problem is going to come, mm. right? Is in order to sustain all of that, it's going to have to generate money straight mm. away. And you're back into that kind of... Uh, these, com these companies aren't biting the bullet and really driving the innovation and creating the real value proposition <laughs> for a gamer... <laughs> versus taking the shortest route yeah. where it doesn't create that great experience just to make yeah. it a quick buck. And, and that's what they were doing, right? Microtransactions were the problem. And actually what they should have been thinking about, and, and GTA has had the idea for ages, where you know, you've, got, you've got billboards. It's literally a virtual world, a, a, a normal world with billboards. And to be honest, they could just advertise on the goddamn thing. I think that's my point here, guys. Right? Um, the metaverse is almost an alternative to our reality. Hmm. What's consistent is a human being is still residing in that reality, and we're susceptible to advertising, uh, <laughs> you know, consumerism, and all of those sorts of things. Okay, so this is why can I, I kind of think the first step into the metaverse will be live service games or otherwise, you know, like the Fortnite's of the world, and they, you know, they're quite far far along with that. I mean, Sony. And the company who owns Lego, they have each invested one billion dollars to be part of that future. And maybe it's about the Unreal Engine, right? But maybe it's about something else. We don't hmm. know that. Yeah. But we're speculating. What could it be, right? For example, right? Let's say we 
let's say we all love Fortnite, obsessed with Fortnite, <laughs> and we're going to play that for the next five, mm. ten years, right? The metaverse describes interconnected worlds and being transi- easy transition between across those worlds. Mm. Why would you want to play Fortnite connected to other games <laughs> or even other games connected by the same uh, publisher? Mm. It, it's I, I, I still I struggle even to stretch my imagination that's, to see what that. That's what because that Fortnite is. isn't actually really is <clears throat> is his own little virtual world. That's all it is. It's not a true metaverse. Yeah, and and they they. No. I, as far as I'm concerned, bastardized the term. The term, um, trying to trying to avoid being called calling themselves a game, and 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 you're right, Jay. Like if if you were to truly talk about a a true metaverse, you would have one reason, you know, a persona of some sort, shared content that moves between Fortnite and something else, but they haven't got anything else. You need your own avatar, like yeah. in Player One. You have your own unique avatar that's persistent. That you then have full control of everything, your data, what you look like, how you come across, and you then are the centerpiece of that metaverse going Mm. into different universes within that metaverse. Yeah. And who's going to create that? I think it's it's always, at the moment, it's at least going to be from a, we've already got a universe, let's extend it up sideways outwards. And try and connect to other ones that we have partnerships with. So I, 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 I don't think we're going to get the answer, but it's you know, I, I just feel, feel like it's those those partnerships. Just you can think of them as little mini these these other met, you know these separate metaverses because that's what people are doing. They're building a separate metaverse at the moment. They're like countries within your you know your overall metaverse, you know, and you know really the the people who are going to start building these these little mini Metaverse, metaverses first are, are the people who have got really engaging IP <laughs> in games and the people who have got a fan base because that's how you would draw them in yeah and then you know you 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 can you can imagine that once that happens you know you you kind of hey let's 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 go to the the last of us land <laughs> 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 or or basically got a war land mm. or let's go to halo land you know or Forza Land, you know what I mean? You know, uh, this is the other thing. Like, you know, we talked about there's constraints around food and (laughs) our bodies need, you know, sun and so... (laughs) Where's all the time going to come for for just living in all these metaverses? That's the other thing as well. well. It's the same with gaming, right? You've got to make a choice. I don't think it's that different, to be honest, yeah, from that (laughs) perspective. (laughs) And I really really think the reason that companies are making these sorts of bets that they are, because they know when it comes down to it, if we as a company need to make money, we need to be where people are spending their time Yeah. in order for them to spend their money. And and they need to be rewarded for their time, which is quite key, which is is why this whole... There's so many games which just abuse your time, and yeah. and I think that's where th- those will actually lose out. The ones that reward you for your time, Destiny. a reason for you to be there, <laughs> they will they will keep that attention. They will keep them going. Yeah, I think that's where you know I I can see Sony, Bungie, uh, Lego, and and kind of uh, who who are the creators of Unreal. Um, Epic, sorry. Yeah. They, 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 I, I can see 
it feels like they are trying to create the most sticky. Oh yeah, think think about it. I mean, you, you know, you have stuff that's looming large that speaks to kind of having virtual economies. Yeah, then your future considerations are, you know, we talked about VR services, but people are actually buying virtual land, man. Yeah. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I've actually considered yeah. buying some as well. I haven't, I haven't actually bought any yet. Yeah, what's all that about? I was gonna say there was another one, right? I mean, PlayStation Home was probably the more successful one, but I think it's Second Life. Yeah, yeah, was Second an Life, actual. Life, that yeah. was like really big. It was pretty much the that. same thing, wasn't it? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but I think that had a bit more in terms of what you could do, like buying yeah. virtual land and stuff. Yeah. So far, there's nothing new. Mm. I, I, and. You know, I, I've, I've, I mean, I've invested in this space as well, right? Loosely invested, right? <laughs> uh, but, but one of my main worries, and, and, I, and I, I've, I've invested money that I'm willing to lose, I mm. should say. In the same way, VR had a bit of a resurgence, and it's kind of still been a little bit static and hasn't grown at the growth that we've expected it to. I feel like this is going to be how suffer the same. <laughs> And it's, it's it's going through a hype now, and it's going to have a slow burn yeah. to get to where it is, I, like a real slow burn. I I think it'll be GTA Six. That'll be the real one. It's just one of these things that I think we we've had to give it a name. If you know <laughs> what I mean, <laughs> right? <laughs> but the reality is, that I just think a lot of these things are quite organic when you look at what you know what's behind it all, and the foundations of it all. You know what I mean? And naturally, these things will come together. Yeah. It's a basket of of things that exist that are evolving or new ideas yeah. and things that are still to come that they can put under this wrapper of Metaverse. Yeah, correct. I mean, even, you know, Sony and Microsoft recently, um, it's been said that they're, they're looking at technology that will give you that, um, that in-game advertisement capability for free-to-play games. <laughs> yeah. Free to play or the metaverse, who knows, right? But you know, they're, they're doing things like that because they need to monetize. Yeah. yeah. But I think the real power is going to be when we have these so called virtual worlds, who's going to be in charge? Who's who's going to act as the, the government? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, to be honest, I'm surprised they haven't done that earlier because how many games do you play where there's some fake what looks like advertising yeah, that's been created mm. by a developer where it could have actually just be some real adverse yep. and maybe they can reduce the cost of the game or Correct. they can keep the maintain the game cost for consumer because the development cost goes up and you know that makes no difference to us as long as they don't overdo it and that, that's the balance yeah, right it is the balance. not overstretching i, I think the, they already the, had it like, the boundary. Back, back in the day when i was playing stuff like unreal tournament and team fortress 2 the servers themselves could actually put adverts on the side of buildings. So I, I just don't understand why no one has really done it and actually pushed it to the advertisers. Just doesn't... I don't know. It just feels like they've they've just focused on microtransactions and that side of things rather than necessarily giving them the, the, the proper... Uh, another kind of revenue stream. Well, they're still learning, though. And they're mm. probably still learning what they can get away with also. <laughs> you know? True, true, true. Look, before we go too too much into that, I mean... You know, just gonna. We should start, you know, wrapping up this conversation. But so I had a few items to say. You know, this is this is our food for thought in a means of getting getting us to be, you know, if it's even possible, being more philosophical than we've already been. And I, I was thinking to myself as as I was uh, preparing for this, I thought to myself, if AI and robotics is the human race's attempt 
at replicating life. Then is the metaverse the human race's attempt at replicating the Earth in reality? And basically, what is the non-financial cost of the metaverse? And maybe it's not a question we can answer now because I'm pretty sure that'd be a whole other kind of podcast. Mm. Yeah. And then closer to home and thinking about, let's say, Sony's dreams, you know, like that kind of like game creator. Is that actually a kind of VR product? Because the first time I'd seen it, it was basically somebody in VR using the move controllers, I think, sculpting content in it. Mm. And is it the Minecraft of the VR space? In which case, are you then playing God? <laughs> right? And how will creation tools that we spoke on earlier fit into this metaverse? If you know what I mean. That game is really interesting because Sony allowed that game to drift so far from where it originally was and that it, they continue to invest in it. Why? That's why I'm asking. And, uh, yeah. And, 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 and it actually makes sense in the context of this metaverse. They've already built out the tools. Correct, correct. And it, it you know, I mean, the first step in is, right, let's give our player base something to engage with. Mm. And they're almost priming us. And maybe the next step is, let's allow our player base to create what they want to engage in. And then it becomes a bit more viral and it starts expanding. And that's your real getaway. When you have yeah. control, or you think you have control of that metaverse, then that is the ultimate piece of escapism. Have you, have you guys ever played Dreams? I think I actually had it for a little bit, but I didn't do much with it. Did yeah. You, yeah. Because there's, there's some people who have actually replicated other games in there, haven't yeah, they? Yeah, they're doing amazing like stuff franchise. with franchise. Yeah. You go into that strange territory, though, because it's like, I mean, back in the day, um, things like Warcraft 3, those things where people have crafted their own things, they are massively successful nowadays. Um, things like Dota that kind of spawned, spawned from it. Um, but then the, the the issue becomes copyright, right? Because I think there was wasn't it in was it in Dreams where they where they replicated um, uh, uh, Mar- uh, one of the Mario games, right? I'm literally looking at the image now. <laughs> Eurogamer Sony pulls Super Mario from Dreams yeah. after Nintendo complained. Yeah, yeah, they complained. <laughs> wow, yeah, it's a very powerful tool. They yeah, it's, a, it's mm. an in- interesting conversation, you know. In- you know, who who can say what the metaverse will look like going forward. But, I, you know, I'm with kind of um, Jay on this. I think games and gamers will be, you know, Leading the yeah, way. they will lead the way and they'll be the first to, to step into this uncharted territory. And to the degree we're actually quite quite ready for it. Mm. There's a long way to go, but it's kind of, it's ex- it's exciting what they could do with it, if you know what I mean. I don't want another home. But if you could imagine a situation where I could, you know, with my VR headset on, I could step into a virtual world that looks closer to something like, you know, the Avatar. Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> something along those lines, something absolutely alien and, you know, you know, in- interesting and kind of like absolutely fantasy driven. That would be amazing. And if you could tack on enough content, enough services that you could, you know, do something in that in that kind of so-called metaverse, you know, that would be an amazing thing. Mm. Why do you think Sony dro- um, dropped the PlayStation Home then? Uh, there's just no one on it. Again, no content. Um, no content, yeah. Yeah, it's just, it just, they just didn't have anything going for it. So, um, 
Um, I think stopping it after a while makes sense. You know, that's probably yeah. just a business decision, really. Yeah. Okay, guys, I think with that all said, it is time to move on to our next topic. Okay, guys, let's get into the next topic. What I want to talk about right now is a state of VR in 2022. Mm. Are we virtually there and is it still growing? <laughs> so what I'll do now is I'll give you some numbers. And really, this is based on forecast numbers from 2021. Mm. Yeah, and it's really around gaming revenue. Mm hmm. So 2021 VR gaming market size was 1.4 billion US mm. dollars. And it's more if we consider revenue outside of gaming as well. Mm. Yeah. The 2021 VR market size was actually overall 4.8 billion US dollars. Mm -hmm. The 2021 VR headset unit sales was 6 million. And really what we're seeing forecasted is let's say from 2019 we're 0.8 billion USD going up to 2.4 billion USD in 2024 in my view those don't sound like huge numbers <laughs> so you might say to yourself you know is the metaverse gonna drive up some of these numbers the number of headsets basically mm. kind of sold now we know that Sony are going to release PSVR 2 in 2022, end of, or early 2023. Yeah. Xbox has not announced any VR product to date. However, Microsoft did purchase Altspace VR in 2017, which sits alongside their HoloLens division. And if you look at the numbers in Q4 2020, based on data from Statistata, I mean, we're talking about unit sales here. 1 million Oculus Quest 2 sold, 120,000 PSVR units, 60,000 Valve Index units, and 50,000 Oculus Rifts. Mm. Not massive, really, <laughs> you <laughs> might say. Yeah, mm. not at but, all. But I guess timing of the PSVR there, that timing of that sales may not have been at its peak, I don't think. Was 2020 its peak? Possibly not at its peak. But you might actually say that Oculus Quest being a cheaper unit, mm. you know, low barrier to entry, is the one that's doing quite well. Yeah. To yeah. keep that in mind. Yeah. That's only one quarter as well. Yeah, it's only one that's quarter. Not, that's, not, and that's not the accumulation of headsets. Yeah, mm. correct. I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know how it's going to happen, but it, it needs like a an iPhone boxed with, <laughs> you know... <laughs> A headset adapter you plug into the phone for just to get you know. Yeah, it's, 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 I'm, make, I'm making it up, but you know, you know, you know what I mean. Yeah, it yeah, needs yeah. to come in the box for it to draw the next level of adoption. Yeah, it's, it's the barrier to entry, and you know, like money, money talks. And I guess those forecasts that you've got there, especially for the forward years, don't take into consideration what's happening now in the world, right? With um, inflation, the war on Russia, Ukraine, that sort of stuff. So yeah, possibly not. I, I suspect those numbers are way too high. I think, especially for twenty-two, I think the cost of living, the cost of living impact, is going to drive a lot of people away from it. And well, and I, I guess also PSVR two just isn't isn't ready. 
Yeah, and VR is considered more of a luxury item mm. when it's all said and done, mm. even for people who are kind of hardcore gamers. Yeah, yeah. But what I thought I'd do next is basically just do a side-by-side comparison of some of the, um, let's say, more well-known headsets, VR headsets, right? So we've got PSVR 2, it's not yet come out, PSVR, Oculus Quest 2, Valve Index, HTC uh, Vive Pro 2, and HTC Cosmos. Mm. And all I was trying to show, and obviously people who are listening to us won't see the diagram, but I'm going to post this on the kind of like blog site, right? Because it, God knows it took me a long, long time to pull it together. Because <laughs> it's going somewhere, I can tell you yeah, that. I can tell you this, that. Is, this is like you're going for a job interview. Yeah, yeah it, it really, it really is, right? But if you look at the specs of PSVR, and, and, and guys, I'll show you the prices for some of the other headsets in a minute, yeah. Right? It is extremely competitive. Mm. And what I'll call out, is there are certain things I'll call out right now. Uh, Inside-out tracking, there's only two other headsets. Who have who have this kind of feature? One of them, Oculus Quest 2, being you know absolutely something where the compute unit is part of the headset anyway. Um, eye tracking, I think it's the only thing on the market that I think has that. Hmm. It's the only thing that's going to have HDR unless something obviously new comes out. Resolution is actually comparable with you know and. Basically, I feel better than everything but the HTC Vive Pro 2, which is a really high-end, you know, headset. And everything else that it has, it's, it's fairly feature complete, apart from having no headphones. Yeah? Apart from having mm-hmm. no head, headphones. Um, so, to me, that's impressive. So... Yeah, the price, yeah. yeah we'll, get, we'll, get, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. So, let's get, let's get to the prices. <laughs> So, before we get to the prices, what I did also is that I, I kind of drew up a comparison on the controllers. And obviously, we don't know a lot about the PSVR 2 controllers, but we know, obviously, you know, everything's wireless these days in terms of controller. It clearly has an analog stick, which the PSVR didn't really have, mm. or didn't really use. Okay. Uh, it has finger tracking, but I don't think it's a... F- it's not a full implementation, okay? Whereas something like the Valve Index, it's probably further ahead. It's meant to have 87 centers on the controller to manage that, yeah? Oculus Quest has kind of like uh, straightforward hand kind of um, tracking. Obviously, PSVR 2's controllers, haptics, adaptive triggers. Battery life, I'm not really sure on, but you, you could believe it's probably comparable in that it will kind of deliver you 10 hours. And it's a variation of the other controllers between as low as two hours to ten hours. Well, can it can it power itself over the USB Type C? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think that's what the USB will do do for it. But the controllers probably need recharging. Oh, controllers. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, so yeah. Is... sorry, yeah, yeah. Now we get to the the pricing side of things, and looking at it, PSVR two. Obviously, we don't know, but based on history, you can imagine that coming in at 500 pounds yeah similar to what a ps5 costs i can imagine that when psvr came out it was 349 pounds just for the headset current day it's 299 for the headset plus camera plus games i think they bundle about five or six games with mm. it even now yeah even now 
But back in the day, it was 349 for the headset, but you need really the camera, which is I think was about 40 to 50 pounds. You don't need the camera anymore, do you? No, so. no camera, and you'd need the move controllers if you wanted some of that. And those are about, I don't know, you know, anything up to £100. As well as having a console to plug it into. So, you know, arguably not cheap. Now, Oculus Quest, there are two SKUs. Uh, 299 with 128 gigabytes of storage. 399 with 256. They come with controllers. Valve Index, fairly high-end. It's the full, the full, the full set is £919, I've seen on, on the Valve store itself. Uh, and that comes with the controllers, the headset, and these base stations, which basically allow you to have that full room VR. So it's motion detectors that allow you to have that full room VR. Outside of that, 689 with with the headset and controllers, or 459 just with the headset itself. Uh, HTC Vive Pro 2, it's the most expensive one out of the lot. £1,299 for the full thing. And that's headset controllers and the base station, which monitor your movement. And £719 just for the headset. HTC Cosmos, £899 for the, you know, for the um, full set. Plus they've got their own base stations for the movement. 499 with the headset is that right 400 i believe it is i think there's controllers there i think headset and controllers and 449 with just the headset so really vr egg cheap yeah well and and the fact that those pc the pc ones well with the exception of the oculus quest 2 you need a very capable vr machine and my Correct. god during that time when the graphics cards were expensive uh, and, it, and it's slowly it. coming down now, but you wouldn't be able to get something for a probably you probably need what a grand and a half maybe, yeah, to get something that's capable. Yeah, and just a note on this: the HTC Cosmos is heavily discounted. You know, mm. I think they discounted each SKU by almost two hundred pounds. You know, as of April, and there's there's other there are other headsets as well, like H HP's Reverb Two. And there are actually different standards in, in game stores for VR content. So you might say it's it's at the moment it's 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 a very kind of variable landscape we're looking at, and it's it's bloody expensive. <laughs> yeah, you you know you can see that the low end in terms of just price, not performance, Oculus Quest Two. You can see why that's sold the way it has. The high end is everything on you know uh, on the PC side on yeah. From the Valve Index, HTC's Vive, and HTC Cosmos, and then it seems like PSVR, PSVR 2 is gonna occupy the middle ground, hmm. from what I can see. So, what price is the future? Well, I guess we gotta know, you know, how much the PSV PSVR 2 is gonna cost. You know, no one knows. Yeah. <laughs> PSVR 2 is, is not likely to be PSVR compatible, but why? And I mean, Al, we, last podcast we, podcast, we talked about this, mm. yeah? And I, I tried to kind of articulate it a bit better, because like, obviously, we, you know, we, we fought long and hard about it. We, you know, we, we couldn't come out with kind of a credible reason, right? But this is what I thought. We know 
that the headset, the move controllers need calibration. But I was thinking, is this part of the system firmware or is it something in-game that needs to be patched for every game? And then second point, how will IO from the headset camera controllers end the breakout box <laughs> be emulated? And the other thing I put down here is like, with that hardware being as limited as it was, the games are definitely designed around some of those limitations. Like, you know, you know, there's latency in terms of the tracking, for instance. Yeah, I, I mean, that I think when we, problems. Well, yeah, when we cover that, I still think it's possible, but it, but it ultimately depends on the game engine and the coordinates and other things that they've developed into it. If it was, if if the game engine needs to work out other things that the PSVR headset was providing, then it's going to be difficult. If yep. it was literally purely based on a game environment with with 3D coordinates, then you should, in theory, be able to do it. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't know. It, I'm, I'm, I'm too far removed to, to know what they're doing there. Yeah. I, I just think it, because it's such a Frankenstein <laughs> solution, right? I don't think it's going to be necessarily as straightforward as we'd mm. like, you know? Now, to my the point on and I think this is the most interesting point for me, right, was that looking at those numbers and the comparisons, I said, PSVR 2 for PC, why not? To me, right, there's a definite gap in the market for this. Sony have probably invested a ton of money in developing, what, as far as I can see anyway, a very, very high-end, well, as high-end for now, competitive headset. Hmm. Yeah, it has to be for it PC. It has to as be well. right. I, you would have I, thought. I, yeah, and I think with the USB-C, it makes it much more accessible. You would Beautiful. hope that they've yeah. made it work. Yeah, and they'll sell far more units, and they'll bring the price down. It's part of their PC's massive part of their strategy. Got going to be, forward, mm. so it has to yeah. be. There's no way. They I mean, you could actually hack the PSVR original one to work on a PC. It was it was a quite difficult, but you could do it. Yeah, definitely. It, it, people people will lap it up, don't they? Because people like to own a PC and a PlayStation mm. because PlayStation's got the games you can't get in the PC. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, it's a no-brainer, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. It's just, yeah. yeah, but I mean, there does look to be a bit of a gap in the market here. Those other very capable, high-end PC VR headsets, you know, you think about it, it's, you know, they're high-end, but on paper, they look very comparable. And if Sony can offer a, a headset plus controllers that are about £500, then that's the middle tier of the market. Basically, one, if you know what I mean. Mm. It's the gateway drug over to the PlayStation console. Right, yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, I would probably... I, I've still held off getting a VR headset for the PC, probably waiting on what Sony's doing with it. Um, so, yeah, if, if, it, if, it, if it does work... I think I would. Um, yeah, and it makes even more sense as as the PlayStation's on x86 and kind of uh, Radeon, you know, graphics now. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's got to a point that uh, me and, uh, and Joe are going to have a whip round and buy you a <laughs> well, PS5. Well, I was going to say, it has to be said, waving the going. I had an opportunity to buy a bundle because there's a few bundles that were um, were being available on um, on game and and curries, I think. So I've had the op I've had the window of opportunity. I could see it. I could add it to my basket. I could, I could check it out and everything. But I just, I just didn't execute. Yeah, we're still gonna get have a whip around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> no matter what you're saying, I think it's necessary now. <laughs> it's got to the point where we need we need inter- inter- intervention here. Citizens, <laughs> <laughs> citizens, arrest. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, let's round it off, guys. Let's round it off. You know, th- those are my thoughts on this. But I was also thinking, what what about Nintendo and Xbox? So I kind of thought back to the history, especially with Nintendo, when they guys, if you remember the the VR boy whatever it was called, that weird apparatus that kind of works kind of like a little bit of a, of a like a Tomitronic, you steer mm. through the, you know, and I kind of wondered, given who Nintendo are, and given what they do, why wouldn't they basically produce some sort of Oculus Quest competitor? I, I don't know, they're, it feels like they're too far behind, or at least, I mean, maybe they are working on it, but it just feels like it's, it's too much of a leap. Yeah, and for Xbox, we've not really heard about what they're gonna do with AR VR, if anything. You know, they certainly bought, a, you know, they bought a company who specialises in VR, so they've got something. I, but yeah, I would assume that they would have to push it. And and I think they, I think they're not gonna touch it. Really? Because I think they've got enough on their plate mm, with Game Pass, with all the game yeah. studios getting Game Pass going. I personally think they will allow it on the business side, push that front. And then they'll reuse stuff if it put go if it moves forward on that side, and they'll wait and see whether Sony is successful in their second iteration. Otherwise, I think they've got too much on their plate. I, I, I'm yeah. not saying that they probably have a skunk work team doing something, but I I I just think they've been burnt so many times. They, they need to get themselves back on yeah, or, or they just adding VR to the mix. Not gonna yeah, or they just give them. it up and work on the actual the the actual um <laughs> the metaverse portion of it the virtual world portion of it right you'd expect them to do something yeah. especially Microsoft and their you know their office teams kind of stuff right you'd you you'd hope that they would do that and it would have synergies with their uh, with the sort of gaming uh, kind of side of things and you would hope that it would bridge those those two things together well maybe it's more of a kind of Microsoft you know corporation thing rather than an Xbox box thing mm, you mm, know mm. right now. I mean that that seems to be I mean um, sensible you know with the amount of investment that Game Pass needs it's probably like you you know you can't fight you know wars on two fronts sort of scenario which would kind of would make sense to me but the, the last thought I had about the whole VR thing was you know especially with Epic and them really investing one billion US dollars in that you know one billion yeah could we see kind of Sony partnering with Epic for the PC ecosystem and there's a couple of things here I think we, we know Epic as well want to be part of this whole metaverse you know gold rush and arguably they've got something like uh, Fortnite that would translate quite well they've also got Unreal Engine 5 and I kind of wonder how you know well that supports kind of uh, VR developments but if Epic want to get into, let's say, the metaverse space, at some point, they might need a VR headset. Yeah, they're not a hardware company; they're a software company. Mm. So that, to me, seems to be potentially something that could work. I, I think their their game would be, uh, as you kind of put there, the Unreal Unreal uh, Unreal Engine Five. I think if I, it would be crazy if they didn't have some extension or something that allows it to be compatible um in some way even with just the 3d 3d world generation portion of it right um you'd expect them to be able to reuse that as for the vr headsets 
they're just I don't I think again because they're not a hardware company I just can't see them doing that they'd probably partner with someone maybe yeah Sony um, <laughs> and, and just yeah literally just hook it into whether it's PlayStation itself or PC you know where, where they're more traditionally kind of based on, on Real 5 yeah, I mean it just it just seems a little bit more obvious I mean like given you know Sony just plowed like a billion into that company mm. you know um, they've got a, a a VR headset that's coming out which you could arguably say should work with a PC without too much problems. You know, it just seems to be like a, a synergy, if you want to call it, that, that could totally work. Mm. Guys, that is, that's pretty much my thoughts on VR at the moment. I, I just think there's more to this kind of like VR space than meets the eye, especially with, um, you know, PlayStation. Really, I, I would not see any reason why they wouldn't basically jump onto the the PC space because looking at this there's there's a there's a clear gap here you know you you've got the the low end's been taken care of via Oculus Quest you're not really gonna compete with that the barrier to entry in terms of cost is way too low the high end the high end's the high end yeah, yeah. Uh, and looking at the numbers of you know of unit sales you, you know you can see that really it's a luxury item but the middle the middle the middle tier and the possibility of really becoming a standard in that space that you know i've got to say that's got to be too enticing yeah for surely even sony to ignore you yeah because I mean? then they wouldn't be they wouldn't even be tied to the number of ps5 sales and, exactly you know, that that pc market would be quite huge yeah you wouldn't yeah exactly you wouldn't have a dependency on how many playstations you, you've sold mm. it wouldn't be a problem yeah, yeah. Honestly, I, I, I just, I just, you know, if they don't do this, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I've got to say, there's, there's hope. Know. There's hope out there. I think. Um. Yeah, if they don't do. It, I don't. I don't know. You know, we we are we are in the land of the mad. You know what I mean? <laughs> definitely, definitely. What would be What would be the downside if they did do that? Uh, Open up to the... Well, if you're a fanboy, the whole world. Is collapsing in on you. I mean, like yeah, these companies don't. Yeah. Fanboys don't. I, I would say the downside is the testing because PC format is just so wide. The support that they would need mm. to make that work is is going to be very different, right? From just testing and proving that it works on the PS5. So, but so they're, they're really going to have to open it up very. Embarked on that journey with the games mm. they're porting. Mm. I just think they've they've already set sail on that. Hmm. I honestly think there isn't much of a downside in terms of what, the, you know, it's the risk reward thing as well, isn't it? I, I just think that if you're going to invest this much into a headset that looks arguably extremely impressive compared to the high and low end, I don't know why you wouldn't. I just don't know. Unless the implementation of this headset is so sh shabby and it's been, you know, it's cut <laughs> so many corners that, it, you know, really it doesn't matter, but. I don't get the sense that's happened, and there's a clear gap here. Yeah, yeah, definitely an opportunity. Yeah, Jay, to answer your question, doesn't look like there's any kind of downside, unless you're a fanboy, right, who just wants a PlayStation to remain an island. I think there's no reason. There's no reason. Yeah. I mean, the metaverse, Sony, they need numbers. That's what it comes down to. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I guys. I think with that said. It's time to move on to the next topic.
So guys, the next topic I want to talk about and get into is PC gaming hardware in 2022. <laughs> now we're going to see a lot of change coming up. You know, AMD, Intel, Nvidia, they've got some big products that are going to come out the second half of the year. Okay. Yeah. Um, and potentially we're going to see another generational leap in the PC space, in the PC gaming space. <laughs> okay. So as of now, and, and again, let's start with AMD. You know, let's start with AMD. And now AMD are claiming we have the fastest gaming CPU, as they always do. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. And what they've done, they've released this thing called the uh, 5800X 3D. And what this thing is, is the first consumer CPU with 3D vCache technology. Yeah. 3D vCache technology. Uh, Epic, their Epic chip is the first vCache chip for the data center. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm. So that's how they've played it. Now, I think Jay, you, on one of the topics you had asked, what's the next big, big thing? And like, we, we, we talked more about, um, maybe a five to 10 year horizon. Yes. Yeah. But the next big thing really in the immediate future is for these, uh, chip design designers and manufacturers to basically do a bit more with the packaging technology. And when I mean packaging technology, I mean 3d cache technology. So stacking, if you like, yep. they're yep. stacking the components of the chips. Yeah. Simply put. And, uh, what MCM, where they're having kind of like uh, uh, multiple chips linked together, yeah, uh, or tiles if you like, or chiplets. I've yeah? you've seen that with the the M1 and Max and all the latest version the of the, the Ultra, where yeah. they've actually put the, the chips together, haven't they, with no lag, fully integrated. Yeah, it's 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 absolutely that. And, you know, you've seen evidence of that in the uh, PC space with <laughs> um, stuff like Infinity Cache, you know. Now, getting back to what AMD have done with this uh, X3D chip, we're actually seeing 15% more gaming performance, yeah. But the primary benefits are, I'd say, you know, 1080p res, which is the majority of mm. gamers in the PC space, okay. Um, they're running at lower clock speeds then the uh, vanilla, uh, you know, 5800X, okay? Uh, which means uh, worse performance for non-gaming workloads. Mm. Yeah? You know, for the X3D. Now, it's, it's, it's really just geared towards gaming and gaming workloads. Yeah? Uh, what I also hear is that overclocking is quite limited on the X3D chip. Mm could be because of kind of the the way the kind of cache is stacked yeah yeah i was gonna say that's quite a pattern i think nowadays anyway joe with the the way we're seeing the the, the chips i mean the chips already come you know pre pre kind of tuned already so there's there's very little yeah. gains to it and um yeah i can i can understand why yeah there's no headroom for overclocking anymore mm -hmm. is there you know, I mean, you get your chip, at, you know, kind of as is. You know, this is the performance out of the box. But I guess the question I, I, I have about this new chip, yeah, fastest gaming CPU or not, is it worth it? <laughs> <But> <laughs> Seriously, is it 15, worth it? 15% boost. It's 
Okay. Well, it's always it's cost 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 performance ratio. That's that's always key for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is a cost performance ratio. Now, the the fifteen percent increase. I just let's uh, be clear on that. It's um it it does vary from game to game. There's no doubt about that. And the levels of gaming performance um it's been compared to is the top end Alder Lake CPU, which I think was approximately seven hundred pounds. Well, to £749 MSRP at the time. So obviously, compared to, to what this particular chip costs, quite a, quite a, you know, quite a, quite a gap, yeah? Um, but the, the things to take keep in mind are, um, is it worth your 15% <laughs> you're going to get? Yeah, is it worth that? Um, the other thing to consider is, really, if you're dare to build a completely new system which means new CPU new motherboard yeah then I guess it's there's less of an advantage you're going down this route if however you're not going to upgrade your your motherboard you just want to like an in-place upgrade where you can just drop in the, tri the, the chip and get that performance boost and you only care about gaming performance then it's a little bit more desirable yeah, it's a little. It's definitely a little bit more desirable. Joe, does that mean it's the same socket as we've got today? Correct. Right. AM4. AM4. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, uh, you know, and being a bit, a bit, a, a bit cynical, right? I think you know. I, I heard conversations that uh, the reason we've got the you know the uh, 5800X3D is because, and again, this thing clocks, yeah, lower. Clock speeds lower, yeah. Usually, when it happened, it's because the quality of the silicon wasn't as good, and therefore the version of the chip maybe didn't pass kind of like the quality assurance mm -hmm. or the quality control. So, being cynical, are we getting these chips because we got a batch of chips, 5800Xs <laughs> that didn't pass quality control? And, and just to yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just slap on a bit of cash on it and then sell it for more money, you know? Mm. Now, the, the other side of things is obviously heat generation, and which is like, it can clock higher, but it, they won't do it because of the mm. heat generation aspect of it. And I think, you know, you know, great. Great for AMD, they've got something um, that's good for marketing. Whether it's, I mean, I, I'm certainly a bit lukewarm on it. Lukewarm because it's it's got a very specific use case. Mm -hmm. Yeah? Very specific. Okay, uh, and it's not cheap, not at all. I think it could have been, it could have done with being about, I don't know, thirty pounds cheaper than it is. You know, thirty to fifty pounds cheaper than it is. Yeah, that would have really put the kind of like cat amongst the pigeons. Mm, yeah. Uh, but the, the level of cash it has is, you know, it's undeniable. You know, you're talking about three times the the amount of cash, you know, off the, you know, basically compared to the original chip. Yeah, and but I think the interesting part of this is, right, I mean, we everybody's been talking about also pro consoles, you know, PlayStation Five <laughs> Pro, you know, Xbox Series X Two, or you know, mm. whatever they want to call it, right? But this is a route into that, mm. so you could effectively run the same CPU, yeah, considering that the consoles their CPUs don't typically clock that high anyway. Mm -hmm. And the upgrade is, put a bit of cash on it. And as far as they're concerned, those consoles, the only use case they deal with is games. 
Yeah. So you've got a bit of, you know, you've got a, you've got a routine to upgrade your CPU without changing the architecture and without kind of like having to worry about core count, you know, clock speed, you know? Yeah, but it does mean another form factor to test against though, so I don't know if it'll do that. Especially for something that yeah. seems Steelfield's first version experimental to an extent. I don't think it's that experimental, <laughs> Al, because they've got it. They've got Epic in the data centers mm. already. So, is, is there anything relating to the kind of Unreal Engine Five stuff that they these chips will take advantage of? I don't think so. I, I mean, I don't think so. I don't think spe- I don't think that specifically for this. I don't think so. Mm. But I understand that Unreal Engine is quite CPU heavy anyway. Mm. Right. Yeah. So, you know, depending on on what Unreal Engine's doing, and I don't know, having this level of cache might be useful. So it's amazing how much more efficiency you can get out from the layers of code versus just having raw power in the CPU. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, having a large amount of cache, that's as kind of like. Um, plug-in plays you can get mm. if you know what I mean yeah you know you're not counting for clock speed so you don't you know you don't necessarily have to worry about kind of like timings you're not accounting for let's say a uh, call count so you know you're not worrying having to distribute workload of a great number of calls you know and then that sort of thing it's it's just it's a pure latency play because really what, what, what you're saying here right uh, instead of getting what I need from from memory I'm going to collect our uh, on die cache which is lower latency. What you're getting out of this is is basically frames. Yeah. Yeah. That's really that's really what you're getting in the. But I assume that this is the bottleneck and not the GPU, right? Correct. Correct. I mean, this is why it kind of seems through testing it seems to function quite well with 1080p. Yeah. I mean, the reality is if you're if you're if you're running something at 4K, the GPU is always going to be your bottleneck, not the CPU. But then again, on, in certain circumstances, you know, you'll need some kind of like CPU power. It's just, I guess, having a, uh, a game running in a, a little bit more stable with fewer blips and hiccups and, you know, that sort of thing yeah. is what you're, what you're getting. When's uh, when's the chip due? It's out. Oh, is it? All right. It's out right now. It's out right now. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, so, the, so the 15% isn't an AMD 15%. It's, uh, it's an actual... Uh... It's the ones already uh, tested the f- it. Yeah, the fifteen percent is an AMD marketing fifteen percent. <laughs> oh right, okay. but, <laughs> yeah, but the <laughs> yeah, no, well, no, the the testing's been quite, you know, the testing has held, you know, um, has held it up somewhat, mm-hmm. validated to that somewhat. Obviously, not for every game, and sometimes it's more than the fifteen percent actually. But it, you know, it's it's pretty much a it's it's pretty much accurate, and I think AMD are usually quite accurate with their marketing yeah, numbers, yeah, yeah. though. They they're equally quite selective, right? Yeah, though I'm I'm a bit lukewarm about the ch- about the chip itself. I, mm-hmm. I you know I just think yeah, could have done you could have done with a little bit more. Would have been nice to see like um, hiring skews from the current uh, generation of Ryzen chips having that cash as well. But then then you've got conversations around about you know cost. Then you've got you know conversations about well. The new Zen chips are coming out late this year. Is it worth it for us? Mm. Yeah. Then you, and you know, other other considerations are, you know, ultimately, I, I feel that this V cache technology is quite expensive. So you know, it, 
you know it may not scale in terms of cost the way we 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 anticipate it might be for higher core count chips there's you know there's all there's all sorts of you know re reason i guess not to do it. but i mean i think the biggest one is that look our our, our new generation is chips coming out at the end of the year why do it we'll give mm. people a stopgap measure for the um the mobiles on the market right now and the socket on the market right now and we'll try and retain the gaming crown at you know close to let's say um 60 to 70 percent the cost of our competition and you know you know try and cast some shade over them yeah yeah and i think this will work it that would work if you're just gonna stick to your your current day amd motherboard yeah if you're looking to build a new system then you know, personally i wouldn't even look at this yeah 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 but nice try amd <laughs> <laughs> so amd we have the fastest gaming cpu what we should talk about next is really intel yeah so intel we also have the fastest gaming cpu <laughs> right and i think at around about the same time uh what intel did was they released the i9 12900KS, yeah, and it's the first consumer CPU running with a 5.5 gigahertz <laughs> clock speed. Yeah, 5.5 gigahertz. Um, and I think that's uh, I think that's that's two two cores out of the eight big cores. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's quite significant. Yeah, that is quite significant. Mm. Now, the downside of that. Is that it's actually just a five percent boost versus the vanilla twelve nine hundred K. Five percent. Could could you could you possibly get worse performance for games because they're not actually geared to geared for these new chips? If you're talking five percent, I mean there's 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 not Yeah, I think in this case, because the architecture's pretty much identical okay, between will, the, yeah. the, the old and new version. Uh, you know, you you won't see a tremendous amount of you know uh, difference. Let's say yeah. game upon game. Um, I think the cache is a little bit different because you know it, it's you know how it is you know how you know cache usually works. It's kind of like you need a cache hit. So as as much as what you're trying to get needs to be in cache, you know if it, if it, if the cache is basically you know like emptied of that data you need, then they ain't gonna you know it's it's less it's going to be less efficient. So that that's a little bit more, I think, variable. Yeah. But I think this would be quite consistent. But it's consistent by giving you a five percent performance boost over the the original chip, which is not significant. Yeah. So obviously the question mark is: Is it worth it? Well, it's almost 150 to 200 pound more expensive than you know the vanilla chip for a five percent increase. Mm. And the vanilla chip is 514 to 570 pounds. I've seen it for. The new chip is 749 pounds for your 5%. So, you know, basically, you know, that's that's the bleeding edge at the moment if you want. Or the, you know, that's a cutting edge at the moment if you want that. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, for completeness, I, I left the kind of rising, you know, I, in in my comparison, I, I kind of also looked at the kind of rising chips, and again, the the you know five eight hundred X three D is, I think approximately four hundred and eighteen pounds on the AMD site if you can get it at that price. 
Yeah. Mm. Um, the vanilla, f- you know, five eight hundred X, two hundred ninety nine, and you know the 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 twelve core, fifty uh, nine hundred X, almost three hundred sixty pounds. Yeah. Mm. That I've seen it for. So you you know, these are the price comparables really. Um, so is it worth it? Absolutely not. <laughs> 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 not, not. Not unless you've got more money than you know, you know more so much money that you can you, you can basically you know burn it. Yeah, not for a five percent increase that you're you're not really going to notice. <laughs> if I'm being totally honest, it, I think it translates to probably between one and three frames of of. Uh, It'll be tiny depending on what game. Yeah, but you can say you can say. Every frame counts. You know what? Yeah, you can say yeah. You can say I've got the fastest uh, gaming CPU out there. <laughs> you know, but again, it's it's all comparable. It's all, it's all very kind of, you know, much about you know muchness or what and whatnot. It's you know, it's it's very much like that. But there you have it. You know, <laughs> we all have the, the fastest gaming CPU. You know, <laughs> every every one of us. <laughs> In the right circumstances, mm. of course. In the right circumstances. <laughs> <laughs> but I think what we should take note, note of is also the power. You know, the power consumption of some of these chips. Um, typically, Intel are really running with a lot more power. I, I think some of the uh, the base TDP isn't really what it's going to be running at under stress. It's going to be significantly more. You know, it's, it's, it's something to kind of look, look out for. Now, so that's what AMD and Intel have done right now. For NVIDIA, well, we talked about the 3090 Ti, yeah, or Ti, depending on, you know, how you want to kind of like call it. I kind of put a lot of shade on this, but you know what? It's actually real. (laughs) Yeah, this thing's actually real. It's come out, it's on the market, people are able to get it. It's an absolute halo product. Because I've seen it rate retail for you know uh, between one thousand eight hundred and seventy pounds to two thousand five hundred for a GPU. With the vanilla thirty ninety uh, deliver- coming in at one thousand four hundred pounds to two thousand one hundred pounds. Yeah, from what I've seen. What does the TI or tire have over the uh, the standard thirty ninety? A whopping 10%, that's what. <laughs> <laughs> and again, I'll repeat, it's actually real. <laughs> this isn't some marketing well, bullshit. It was, it was the same thing yeah. with the, even the 3090 itself. We all looked at him and we're like, what? You, you yeah. what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so, so with, with an even bigger you know, 3090 Ti, it's like, well, okay, there's not many people that will want it. So, but uh, yeah, seems crazy. But, you know. What's the, what is the point of the making of these? It's just... Uh, that's a good point, actually. I I, th- I think the only point can be is just marketing kind of points, uh, and the fact that mm. there, there are there are some people out there who are kind of very wealthy gamers, if you like, <laughs> who who just want the best of the best. Like, yeah, that's reality. Enough money, they'll just yeah. splurge on it. But it's not but really performance value minded in no. any way, right? No, no, it's not. It's not. It's not. It's not having, let's say, uh, uh you know, it's not about delivering a. A product that everybody can buy, nor is it about the uh, price performance ratio, or is it kind of delivering anything that's even sensible? Well, well I, I mean, I meant it from a more of the manufacturer perspective because you know, 
parts are already constrained production mm. lines are already but hampered the, so they're, they're selling these at a premium as well they, they know they know they're not they know again you know the, the way that joe's kind of covered off the, the performance you're paying an extreme premium just for this and they know they're going to sell a lot less than than their mainstream uh kind of lower versions um so i'm sure they've done this deliberately um uh, to as a uh, as joe put it a halo kind of product a You've you have got the fastest GPU. You have got the fastest chip, um, uh, kind of product. Yeah, and not 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 only you have, we have. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget that part. Mm. Yeah. But uh, to give uh, you know like Nvidia an additional kind of like a uh, you know like feather in their cap, they've also got the most power hungry GPU because <laughs> this thing comes in at you know a four hundred and fifty watt. TDP, you know, so much for going green, hey. <laughs> <laughs> but fair enough, fair enough, Nvidia. You don't have the fastest gaming CPU, but you do have the fastest GPU. Again. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on. So, what can we expect from AMD in the second half of the year? So this is where it gets interesting. So second half, and more likely uh, late Q3, Q4, we're going to get Zen 4. Ryzen 7000. Mm. They've skipped a whole thousand on desktop. Basically, that was kind of reserved for laptop. <laughs> yeah. But what they're doing now is, like, uh, they're moving on to a 5NM process node, which more or less means... More, more speed, less power, and in this case, 1.8 times the transistor density over 7nm, which is what they currently use. Yeah. Mm. Now, AMD have also said they're able to run a uh, version of the chip at 5 gigahertz or calls, and I've heard this thing may go up to 5.2 gigahertz. And again, speculation rumor. Some of this is actually concrete because you know, AMD have already kind of like announced it. It does support DDR5, PCI5, USB4, but I've also heard that it may be DDR5 only, mm. which means more expense. New socket and therefore new mobiles, new motherboards, because they're, they're basically bringing in AM5 and this will be the first chip that slots into that. Vcash. I thought was uh, odds on, but now I'm going to put a question mark on it. One of the ways I'm thinking about it is, is that I wouldn't be surprised if AMD, when the time is right, offer a a uh, a gaming model of their chips. If you know what I mean? <laughs> this is the gaming edition with VK. Well, they've already done it with yeah. the um with the with the previous one, right? It would it'd only be obvious that they would do that same pattern. Yeah, correct, correct. So possible. Also, we're not really sure on whether it will have more cores. I mean, I've heard it all kind of um, basically plateau at 16 cores. Mm. 24 cores, a possibility. I think they could do it, but it just depends on how much heat they feel from Intel's, you know, like uh, competing chips. Yeah. If they don't feel that much heat, they won't do it, obviously. And again, whether this thing will have integrated graphics in the form of RDNA 2, possible. Yeah. And to be honest, right now, AMD actually are um, leading integrated graphics. 
Yeah, no doubt about that. Mm. So what can we actually expect from this? Well, they're saying 40% overall performance improvement versus Zen 3. And that translates it, to, yeah. I think, single and multi-threaded and, you know. Is that is that pure compute performance or is that also heat performance, uh, heat power consumption? It's 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 pure performance. Okay, okay. No, no one really knows about the kind of like um, efficiency, energy yeah. efficiency, or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, but they're saying twenty five percent improvement in single core performance. But again, nothing's really confirmed. But the fact that it's going to be running at five gigahertz and that is more or less confirmed because Lisa Sue was on. I think was she on stage? Who and basically, basically, actually, you know, called that out mm. all calls. You know, and that's quite impressive for AMD because you know. Traditionally, they've always lagged behind Intel in terms of kind of clock speed, and that's one of the kind of factors in terms of you know performance. So obviously, a lot happening in AMD camp. Intel, what they're doing second half of the year, Raptor Lake. So again, the next version of their CPU range, a step up from Alder Lake, still using these big little cores. Mm. They're talking about new hybrid CPU core changes for improved performance. Uh, what that means, no idea. <laughs> they're talking about new Raptor cold P cores, so obviously enhanced kind of power cores, I want to call them, but the same E cores, so the same Gracemont cores, the little cores, yeah? Uh, improved cache for gaming. What is that? Not sure. I mean, it sounds like it's going to be like um, a big cache, effectively. More more cache. That's how it sounds to me. But obviously, they're supporting DDR5, PCI5, Thunderbolt 4. And I think the, the Thunderbolt 4 and USB 4 standard is coming together. Yeah. Yeah. They're using the same kind of uh, socket. So the LGA1700. So that means, obviously, you could probably drop it into the same kind of motherboards. And also using the same Intel 7 node process, which was being banded around as Intel's 10NM process. Yeah. So I don't know if you would call this Intel 7 Plus or something like that, you know, to give mm. it some respect. Okay. Uh, and people are speculating that this might come in in terms of clock speed with two to 300 megahertz more clock speed. So you might be looking at a top kind of clock speed of 5.7 to 5.8 gigahertz mm. that's what we're looking at and more cores potentially 24 but again nothing confirmed all rumors all rumors and, and i'm assuming uh no changes in the um the the nanometer tra transistor the kind of sizes and, and and shape um for for raptor lake potentially i mean you know speculation that they're on Intel 7 Plus, mm -hmm. you, you know, and that's a, a make-believe name, but you know, um, but it, it's it's not quite. I don't think that's like going in, going from uh, let's say a 7nm process to a 5nm okay, process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. but there, there's going to be some improvements to it, but it's not quite that. Now, moving on to graphics. So AMD or DNA three again, second half of this year second half of 2022 this is where we you know we talked about a little bit about the packaging so they they're using this multi-chip module design they're moving away from uh ceus compute units to work group processes and that's a change in their kind of art, their architecture and they 
the way they they're organizing you know the, the compute units and the componentry of, of the actual GPUs the top end SKU Navi 31 is claimed to have three times the number of stream processes versus the current high-end their current version of the 3090 the 6900 XT clock speeds going from 2.5 gigahertz to 3 gigahertz and it's this is an interesting series of numbers I mean there have been certain leaks or so-called leaks and rumors that were said Navi 31 the top-end uh, SKU weighs in with 76.8 teflops and again teflops aren't the be and end all of GPU performance yeah then Navi 32 57.3 teflops that's your mid-range card crazy numbers Navi, yeah, I know I know Navi 33 24.6 teflops and the RX 6900 XT their current top end 23 teflops but we're, we're, get, we're getting I mean those sort of numbers you get such and when the games are actually built for them you get such high fidelity that the, what you're going to do with the extra teraflops you, you're going to have to go to 8k to and would it be even worth it would it be even worth it it's, it's not it's, it's no I mean mm. it, 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 the power that you need will go up exponentially won't it the more yeah it'll be it will be interesting to see how they they leverage it and I, and again you know you, you don't know how much kind of ray tracing and the like play into this mm, yeah that'll eat or a lot yeah yeah, or whether they can offload some maybe some you know AI onto these cards and how that factors in. And I, I remember for a time, um, I think starting from the the PS4 generation, they were using this thing called that asynchronous compute, which meant that if your graphics card or GPU wasn't leveraging that compute, right, mm. the PS4 and some specific AMD graphics cards were able to to leverage the the kind of like haircut. If you like the, the the spare compute for other things like um, AI and stuff like that, so it's like you know potential for that. I think don't know, but it, it's impressive numbers. And again, this is this is all kind of rumor and hmm. and so-called leaks and stuff like that. But you know, I've seen this multiple times. <laughs> you know, like so you kind of have to wonder, is this real? You know, the you know the clock speeds again. That's not far-fetched. The AMD kind of GPUs really run out high clocks. I mean, I think the, the even the PS4 is 2.2 gigahertz, you know, and current day, uh, there are some, um, you know, custom AMD GPUs running at 2.6 gigahertz. All real. Uh, power, however, at the top end, we're talking 375, that's 450 watts. Yeah, it's getting it's getting expensive in more than one, in more than one way, actually. Now, moving on to NVIDIA. They've got this thing called um, Lovelace, cold name for it, uh, the RTX 4000 series. So again, late 2022, I think we're talking about TSMC's 4NM process. And that's, a, you know, maybe there's some rumors. Now the top end SKU is going to have 144 streaming multiprocessors. Yeah, these the RTX 3090, which has 82. So it's not quite double, but it's kind of going in that direction. And that's reflected in the amount of CUDA calls, 18,000 versus, you know, approximately 10,000. They're clocking up to 1.6 gigahertz, up to, I think, 2 gigahertz is the rumor. But the power, the rumors are 600 watts, 
600 watts. The, if, you, if you basically say that, say that out aloud, that's a number. That is a number, you know. But that will be the top end. Uh, <laughs> what for the 4090 <laughs> or something? I right? don't know. 600 <laughs> watts for a graphics card. I mean, come on. <laughs> You'll need that for the metaverse and all the NFTs, right? Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure. But they're talking about a GDDR6 Plus or GDDR7. So obviously, uh, you know, better, faster memory. Or I should say faster memory. Uh, and there's been rumours that in- NVIDIA has its own Infinity Cache, which may mean it sticks with uh, GDDR6 for the time being. That's also possible. And last but not least, Intel. Mm. So finally, Intel, I've got um, obviously a credible range of uh, GPUs in Intel Arc GPUs, I think codename Alchemist, so the ZHPG product. So uh, what are we looking at? So desktop, I think, was touted for Q2 2022. So we've not seen them for desktop yet. I think they've uh, rolled out for laptop. Um, So I can only assume that's been delayed coming out later. Uh, I've not seen that many reviews for the laptop products either, so I'm not really sure what's happened to them. And it's the first dedicated Intel GPU since 1998. 1998. I mean, obviously they're, they're big in integrated graphics because their chips sell so well, but that's that's really it. They're talking TSMC 6NM process node, and the top end SKU is comparable to an RTX 3070 in RTX 6800, 6800. So, good for your first attempt, but by the time it comes out, uh, and by the time I think the Q3 hits us, they're already going to be lagging mm. behind. They've actually just got to get something out in the market now. Yeah. What's driving this? Again, I'm, like jokes aside, the metaverse must be a big part of this, right? Uh, potentially, that you know, also that, Really, um, Intel want to compete in this market. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll, yeah, go on, Joe. Yeah. There's also the the kind of data center, you know, like play as well. You know, GPUs for the data center are a, a big thing. You're right. I mean, you're right. You know, if the metaverse, you know, is the next big thing, there's a possibility they need to have a product there. Yeah, I mean, you definitely need GPU power in order to, assuming it's a VR metaverse. Um, you definitely need that sort of stuff, but I think it's it just stems from the fact that they had a change of leadership. You know, they had to they had a massive shakeup, right? Um, they finally caught up again because on the on the CPU front, after AMD took them right to the wall on that stuff, and Intel, I think, have managed to catch back now. So, you know, and they've still got a very good brand name, and I think this is just them opening up. You know, using their Using their expertise and kind of pushing pushing further into a you know another market which has synergies um, and it kind of makes sense. So yeah, yeah, I think it, I think it does make sense. Um, I would say look, I think Roger Kadori, who runs the the GPU division for Intel, he, he's he actually was there before the CEO change. Mm. But you know, I would say look, if you look at the GPU market, I think it's it's multi million, multi billion. So clearly, there's there's money to be made. It's, it's likely to grow if all of these other kind of uh, things we're talking about, like the metaverse and whatever else, come, well, become, and, become real. And, and probably yeah. they probably looked at the Bitcoin miner market and they're thinking, 
me. It'd be quite nice to take a little bit of slice of that. So yeah, who, who knows, right? I mean, when is when is money to be made? Is a is a business decision, isn't it? Mm. At the end of the day. But I think for us, I mean, look, it's it is really good to have competition. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I mean, that's the that's the reality of it. It's um, yeah. I mean, this particular generation of Intel products isn't really, unless they surprise everybody, isn't really going to be in terms of pure specs and performance comparable to the to the up and coming generation from AMD and Nvidia but it's a beginning and you can only see Intel accelerating yeah, yeah. and if they offer it a good value point it's another one of those that if it can compete on one angle on it then mm-hmm. it will still sell you know there wasn't yeah, yeah. I mean I guess now though I guess with supply cuz GPU prices are starting to tip back to getting closer back to retail again um because the uh, supply is kind of starting to improve, but if they get it right, you know they still uh, there still should be you know a decent amount of demand for for GPUs. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Let battle commence, as it were, <laughs> and it will also be interesting to see you know how it plays out in terms of the, the the kind of laptop market as well, where you know AMD and Intel are going to have both a CPU and a GPU offering. What does this mean for APUs? Yeah, as well, because that's going to be a real market at some point. Yeah, yeah, and I and I think you're right. APUs in in particular, especially for as long as it's metaverse capable, I think that that'll be the key, right? So if it can support VR to an extent, I think that will be that will be perfect for it, right? Mm. That's that's probably its main market if it can get that to work. I mean, let's be honest. Like we we we've had APUs for a while. They're all sitting in the consoles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the APUs for PCs are. The, the GPU portion of it is usually quite low powered. Yeah, and the laptops yeah. they've been there for, and that's why I guess Intel, Intel have yeah. been doing that for years, just all yeah. prepackaged as part of um, uh, what they've got. Yeah, but getting out a, a good APU, it's kind of probably annihilate the budget GPU market. Mm. I'm sure there's going to be some sort of cost savings in terms of the laptop technology as well. You know, it's a single chip. You only have to worry about calling that single chip as well and again I don't, I don't know what it means from the memory configuration but you can imagine it's you know there's something there as well, also I think they're, they're kind of thinking along those lines if you ask me yeah I mean that's that's what that's what I'm seeing here so guys the, the long and short of it is that this year is going to be a really exciting year for PC gaming technology where we're refreshing all of the uh, CPUs mm. that's happening the GPU technology is also being refreshed and the refreshes are not just a refresh it's a real step up mm. here it's a generational leap we're seeing here which is quite interesting we have Intel entering the market yeah in terms of discrete GPUs and that can only be good for everybody to be quite honest what NVIDIA do now in terms of, let's say, they, you know, obviously they're big players in the GPU market. They're, you know, let's be honest, they're number one for a good reason. But what they do now with a lack of a CPU is going to be quite interesting. And I think their their play is the enterprise, really, more, more than consumer. ARM's not happening now, but it doesn't mean they can't get an they They don't have an ARM license. I think they do have an ARM, you know, license. 
So it's just um, interesting to see kind of how those plans play out. Because you have to think they have big plans for Om, and the reasons why they wanted to purchase Om were for those reasons. Mm. So you know, at some point, we're going to see a bit more from those guys. I mean, whether Om's, to be clear, Om is a you know a big factor in the consumer market because that architecture is in most of the mobile kind of um, devices out there. And ARM could be something big in maybe kind of the Linux space, something along those lines. But you know, compared to Windows, that's a, that's a tiny that's you know that's a that's a tiny you know space. But you know, Windows has a risk-based kind of uh, version. So you know, how far is that going to be pushed? And if that gets pushed, right, then Nvidia might have an angle to play. You know, in the consumer space, anyway. But I still say it's it's more about it's more about enterprise. Yeah. So interesting times. Yeah, very interesting times. Um, how it translates into better games, I don't know yet. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> right. But in terms of pure technology, it looks it looks pretty kind of like uh, we're in for a bit of a stellar year, I think. And I think, guys, with that said, it's time to move on to the next topic. Okay, guys, the next topic I want to get into is really, you know, Steam Deck. Mm. It's out now. But really what I want to get into is, is it really a catalyst for more portable gaming devices? <laughs> and, you know, will Steam Deck usher in a new era of portable gaming? You know, and I say that really tongue-in-cheek, mm. if I'm being honest, yeah. Now, we know Steam Deck has been reasonably successful. But I have really no official sales numbers, you know, at this time. Mm. So it's all relative, if you ask me. Yeah. Yeah. But I will say, you know, again, is it worth it? <laughs> yeah. You know, who needs it, and is it truly portable? Because when you see that Steam Deck, it ain't no small device. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, it. I mean, it looks. It looks. It looks. It looks. Looks bigger than the actual. Um, Nintendo you Switch. should see it next to a Switch. It's quite funny. There's a lot of videos on YouTube that have it. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think there was yeah, one YouTuber that, yeah. that was saying that they got ridiculed for their Steam Deck in comparison to uh, in comparison to the Switch. <laughs> the Switch is, you know, it's not small. No, that Switch but is that's that's what what I mean. the Switch Steam Deck is small. a monster in comparison. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen this actually. Yeah, it's 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 significantly bigger. I mean, I I never considered the a kind of Nintendo Switch, something that you, wow. you put in your, your back of your pocket, <laughs> right? <laughs> oh but then, you know, God. you look at the Steam Deck and you think to yourself, okay, you know, that that's not a coffee table device. That is the coffee table. <laughs> it's ridiculous, because the Switch is quite wide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's trim. It's trim in comparison, right? Because it's, it's, it, the, the Steam Deck is one of those that's quite chunky, it's quite thick as well, so... Um... Yeah, I think they've been trying to be quite, you know, like uh, ergonomic with the kind of grips and you know all of that sort of stuff. So it yeah, does look, the... it does look comfortable to hold. Yeah. So th there's no doubt it's a good device. It's just that you know the d definition of portable. <laughs> you know, it's uh, it depends whatever your taste is, mm. right? You know, if one of us is walking around with a man bag, 
brilliant. It's definitely portable. (laughs) 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 If if we're not, (laughs) I've got someone. Someone's put this image of it it, next to a banana. (laughs) Banana looks small. (laughs) Ridiculous, right? Ridiculous. Wow. But one of the things I was thinking about really is that, you know, based off this, I mean, obviously. You you have to think that you know uh, Microsoft, Xbox, and Sony and PlayStation they what they're watching this with interest, mm. right? Mm. And it's a it's a it's a, it's a shame that we don't have genuine sales figures because I'm sure they're watching that with even more interest. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, would this encourage any of these two companies to produce handhelds of their own? Obviously, Nintendo don't need to worry. Mm. They've got their they've got the handheld market. For consoles sewn up, yeah. Mm. You know, would Xbox and and uh, PlayStation consider it? I'm, I'm gonna say Xbox, no. Sony, Sony was always a possibility, and I think they've still got a potential, really, if they really wanted to. But but it is like, do they want to focus on their platform and pushing, you know, Sony on Windows and using Steam to, it was a Steam Deck to to kind of surface that, or do they really want to push their own device, which is proprietary PlayStation in some way? Yeah, I kind of, I, I think Sony have always been that way, where they they've been more of a hard, they, mm. they're obviously more of a hardware company. Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, that's yeah. for sure. That's why I think they've got an opportunity to do it, but Microsoft, I don't think has. I think they're all done with it, to be honest. I think with COVID, struggling to get consoles out, particularly Sony have been stung by having so many different products. I just don't think they'll go there. Um, Microsoft as well. Given the fact that with the Xbox, they're not they're more considered more concerned about Game Pass and getting as many platforms, adding more hardware. <laughs> I don't think makes sense. Mm, or maybe it yeah, does. Maybe, maybe it does. I mean, they're, they're coming out with a streaming stick, aren't they? Soon. Mm. Um, it's coming out of the year, they're saying. Um, but that's really just um, anchored on their service. Yeah. You know, yeah. I don't think that, that's nothing. It's about the hardware. Or I think it's just that oh, we want to give you our. We want to let you access our service mm. in more ways. Yeah, I think yeah. the thing is at the moment we're in this really, really strange place where I think. We're, we're, we're kind of moving into a post-COVID world and people are starting to move around again. But with the Russia-Ukraine stuff, that's kind of... And, and recessions looming, will that will that trajectory continue where people continue to travel? Will they, you know, will they be wanting to be spending more on these portable things? Not quite sure. Because, you know, the only... The, I think, you know, if I look back to myself, the only reason why I don't have a Switch is because I'm not actually traveling. If I was traveling, I probably would have had a Switch a long time ago. And same with Steam Deck. Steam Deck is an obvious thing that I would love to be using whilst I'm whilst I'm traveling. I just wonder if these devices, it's more about uh, portability around your your kind of uh, a bold. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you 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 flat your house otherwise, right? <laughs> then you know, like you know, on a train or mm. plane or whatnot. Sometimes it's just there's a certain sense of freedom just. Not being tethered to your uh, your TV. It's just, yeah. Sometimes mm. some games they just have a different feeling. So, mm. well, I, I mean, how, how many people actually play their Switch while travelling? That's why I, I, I just haven't mm. seen that many more people. That's while what... gaming. 
You 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 add it. <laughs> yeah, I mean I I mean I bought mine in the specific grey colour of my switch, thinking that I don't want to look like a fool on the train with the <laughs> with the bright red and blue. But oh. then as soon as I stopped using it, I mean I tried the train a few times, right? And as soon as I stopped even wanting to use for that that use case, I wish I bought the coloured one. <laughs> you I... won't you won't use it on the train. It's more it's more like if you go somewhere you've You've just got it with you, or you mm. drive around your car, you parked up somewhere, played a few games, or you take your kids to a class or something. Or, I think it's yeah. more for that sort of type did, of thing. Did I ever tell you guys, I had, an old, I had a colleague a long time back, but he hacked he hacked a switch. He had to put like an extra power unit and, and batteries and other things onto it. And uh, but, he, but he basically hacked it from its mobile pla- mobile format to, to, be work, to work on a 1080p screen. So he... <laughs> He's traveling with this kind of like switch inside a box, which then was kind of enhanced so that it could run on a 1080p screen. So he was he was basically playing. It was almost like a laptop then. By that point, it was like a big box with then a 1080p screen, and it being able to run you know off a battery. So effectively, dock, dock t- yeah, he, he kind of essentially yeah. created its own dock to run out run out 1080p. Yeah, that's interesting. Quite a lot of work, but uh, <laughs> he made it work. <laughs> And again, I ask it: Was it worth it? Well, I mean, I guess it worked. It was fine for him for his commute. So he used it on his commute, you know, whenever he was coming into work. So he he actually enjoyed it. So um, interesting. Hmm. But going back to, I, I I don't, you know, I'm not sure. I mean, you know, what I mean, you're right about Xbox. I think they're just too focused on the service. You know, I mean, if anything, it's like if, if they could guarantee that there'll be million upon millions of subscribers by introducing you know a portable xbox then they would do it but i i think they know that there's no guarantee of that and you know playstation sony i think you're right they're kind of done with it aren't they really covid uh, covid i think has killed a lot of products were in the pipeline Hmm. because because of because of the manufacturing challenges so uh, and then some of the windows from when they were going to come out get closed because they exp- they all had another yeah. product to take over it. So I think I think there will be a lot of products. And I I just can't see them. Yeah, I mean a lot of things had to be reprioritized, right? So yeah, if they were working on something like this, they probably would have thought, yeah, no one's traveling, no one's flying. Why would I now? Well, yeah, why not re re repurpose all my resources to something else? Exactly. I mean, yeah, true. I think about how many next gen games. Are out on the new consoles. There's, yeah, not that many. Not nothing. It's basically nothing. <laughs> yeah, not not that many. At, not that all that many at all. I mean, if I'm being honest, hmm. that's it's unusual for this late in the cycle already, isn't it? We just because <laughs> <laughs> surely just a year passed, isn't it? <laughs> it's uh, I mean, when the PS5 came out, was it twenty? Oh god, it was quite a long. Well, it was a long time ago. Twenty nineteen, it came out, didn't it? September twenty nineteen. Yeah, something like that. But be- hold, we, on, hold on, we, we... hold on, guys. Mm. I don't think it was. Uh... It was pre-COVID, though. I thought. And COVID nineteen. Oh, you're right. It was, it was COVID. It was literally November it was, or something. It was Christmas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. December twenty nineteen. Yeah, 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 that yeah was that's it. what that's yeah. what I mean. So <laughs> it'll, it'll be it'll be two it'll be. Uh, it'll be two years in September, won't it? Yeah, wow. No, it'll be three. Three, three, years. Be three, three years. Sorry, three. Yeah, yeah. So I can't even count. But 
I think we got our numbers wrong, dude. <laughs> but I mean, we should uh, we should look it up. I mean, it's definitely about a year now, at least. You know, it's it's not been that long. It's not three years, that's for sure. Oh, I think it is. Um, I think it is. No, it, like that. no, it came out in November 2020, so it would be two oh, years. Oh, okay, so we're one year off. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, that's yeah. why I, I was. Yeah, two. Felt it feels, about it right. does feel like a long time because like COVID right. has skewed everything. <laughs> Including time, <laughs> but let's get back to this before we get too philosophical, you know, about everything. Right now, getting past kind of like Xbox and Sony, I think the one question I pose, and I don't think we need to answer this right now, it is the benefit of Steam Deck really about portables or something else? Mm. Yeah, and I think we'll get to that in a minute, and I'll, I'll kind of, you know, we'll, we'll try and expand upon that. You know, moving on, kind of when I looked at the Steam Deck, I thought to myself, the PC in your pocket, yeah? So we know that the Steam Deck's immediate competition is obviously the Nintendo Switch. And let's call it the OLED, because that's, that's the new product on the block. But the reality is, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm using the word competition in very tongue-in-cheek. Because we know that obviously the Nintendo Switch blows blows it out of the water in terms of um, sales numbers. Mm. Okay, but we if we look at look at it, you know, like uh, comparably, you know, you know, we know we know that you know the the Steam Deck is using AMD technology. You know, um, what is I would say um, AMD APU technology. They're really a SteamOS Linux ecosystem. Yeah, that's that's what SteamOS is. Nintendo is NVIDIA. You know, Tegra X1, a custom version of that. And obviously, that's the Nintendo ecosystem. Very comparable in terms of, you know, cores for um, Nintendo single-threaded Steam Deck's not. It's uh, dual threaded, so eight threads. But you know, if you look at, look look down the specs, you know Steam Deck is obviously, you know, uh, far and away the more powerful product. No mm. doubt about that. Yeah, no doubt about that whatsoever. Aside from maybe the screen, okay. What's interesting, I f- I think, is the cost. Mm. Yeah, the fact that. Steam or Valve have been able to offer this product at the prices they're offering it. <laughs> and I don't know what they've done to do that, if, if, I'm, if I'm being absolutely honest Cla- with you. Classic loss right. leader, I think. I, I think that's the only, the only way that makes sense. The only thing that about that doesn't make any sense, right? I feel quite sure that um, there's no leadership to be had <laughs> for, for Valve here. <laughs> If you know what I mean in terms of a portable device, mm. they can't be, yeah, no way. But uh, you know, and one, one more thing I say about Nintendo is that they've got the right idea about battery life. Yeah, I think it's a very under, and I don't know why it is. Right, everybody talks about it when they when they, you know, when you when you're reviewing the product or using a product, but the battery life. You know, compared to some of the other handhelds, it is massive. Mm. So, sorry, yeah, that that's a, that's the Steam Deck. You're saying? Yeah, yeah. Well, no, no, no. The Nintendo the Switch. Switch. Yeah. It's, yeah. So you know, it's uh, there's just a lot more battery life. I think 
it, it's for me it's it's always better to look at the the, lo the lower end of the the range <laughs> than than the higher end of the range. Yeah, because it's like those classic <laughs> things where they say your mobile can last like forty eight hours, but you're doing nothing with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, correct, correct. Uh... Yeah, the, the Switch is not very good. It's like three hours or something like that. But then the, 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 the revised model, I think, does four to six, depending on what game you do. Yeah, mm. yeah. Bigger, just a, It's a bigger unit, isn't it? Yeah, bigger unit. But the Steam Deck itself, in terms of like PC, has other, actually other competitors. There's a company called Aya, who have the Aya Neo, Aya Neo Pro, and there's the One X Player. And I've kind of, you know, I, I compared basically what they look like. Now, straight off the bat, we know that these other products, they're just basically Windows products. They're literally pocket Windows products. So they're running stuff like Windows 10 or 11, as is, effectively. And I've always maintained, hell, that can never work on a little and tiny device <laughs> with a joystick. Surely not, right? Even touch screen or not, it just doesn't work that well. Yeah. Um, and the irony of this is that the Steam Deck is the only device out of the lot that has a trackpad mm. that has any hope of emulating a mouse on the move. <laughs> These guys don't. But the hardware itself is, you know, it's it's reasonably mm. comparable. It's it's there's you know the the majority of the the market is AMD focused. Yeah. Yeah. We're looking at between six to eight core chips for these other products between 12 to 16 threads and comparable clock speeds really if I'm being honest 1.8 low to maybe kind of like a 4.4 high yeah. and AMD kind of like Vega graphics rather than the new RDNA okay and these products also seem they go up in price in terms of the storage they provide and the majority of them are SSD devices that's what they do for all intents and purposes, they're all very similar. But this is the thing here. The Steam Deck, the highest end SKU, and high end, highest end because it gives you a 512 gigabyte M.2 SSD, £569. These other types of Windows devices, they go up to £1,629. <laughs> and I might add, these devices, in terms of fewer, fewer CPU and GPU power, are run below the Steam Deck. Yep. It's a good price to Steam Deck, isn't it, for what it, it is? But that's very that good. Is, it's insane. It's, it's, it's feature-rich as well. There's just so much stuff on there. And that's why I think it's a lost lead. I think. Unless, unless Gabe Newell managed to get some really good deals with AMD and, 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 and everyone else, so he must thing... be making a loss per, per console. So the the way the way I see it is, they've spent they've built a platform now, haven't they? Mm. You know, designing all of the the components is very expensive, right? The, over time, and they'll keep the design the same, won't they? They'll just keep replacing the chips every couple of years. I mean, absolutely. Yeah. I, I mean, I, yeah. I mean, I mean, Valve probably have a bit more buying power than some of these other small mm. um, yeah. companies who producing these portable PCs but yeah it's it's still it's it's you know it's a sight to behold and whilst I'm saying it's kind of AMD dominated in terms of the, the pocket PCs you know there are some Intel variants 
who seem to basically um, really kind of utilize you know Tiger Lake chips which is a, a, a generation or two down but those were widely considered to be really good kind of like uh, laptop mobile chips yeah yeah but again doesn't affect the price they're still vastly more expensive than the Steam Deck so how does the market look actually I mean really in general all these devices seem to have you know vibration and rumble the one X player GDP win offer Intel parts but the market is definitely primarily kind of AMD based the GPD win products have a very different kind of form factor yeah they're kind of like um, they have a, a little kind of built-in keyboard so they're like almost kind of a, a gaming watch laptop if you know what I mean yeah and most units will offer you a dock so you can use them as a, a standard kind of like PC some off even offer you an external GPU option but the negative side of it things here is that the high-end versions of these handhelds are actually approaching laptop prices so what do you do what do you choose here you choose the laptop or do you you choose this little you know gaming device and these gaming devices aren't that small mm. in comparison yeah yeah N not at all yeah i think it's a difficult one it, it it just depends on how much power you need when you want to use it and yeah, like you say, the lap laptops, actually, the, there's some really powerful gaming laptops out there, especially in, the, in terms of the price points that they're, they're, kind of, they're, that they're pushing. You may want to have, an, you know, that that is an alternative. I mean, the, sorry, I was just going to say that this is marketed to those, obviously, who've got a Steam account, right? And mm. and people who specifically got games that don't, don't are, have lots of... Uh, non-graphically intensive games and they can play those games on the, on, on the move right so those those kind of people I don't think you know they've been playing those games on a laptop thinking while playing these simple games on a clunky laptop I'd rather be, play, be able to play on the move or feel more comfortable on my sofa that's what the, this is aimed for so I, I, I just don't think it was gonna, ever going to compete with those laptops the, obviously in the price and some of the the other competitors you know it doesn't really make sense right but yeah, I can, I can definitely see this being even more popular than it already has been. <laughs> yeah, I, I I kind of think these these outright kind of portable PC pocket PC products, um, you know, obviously they they are definitely competing with kind of like um, lower end to to medium end kind of laptops like your your thirteen to fourteen inch screen laptops. Yeah price wise but i think functionally i don't you think they would pc gamers don't mind spending a lot more money than yeah casual gamers yeah I, I still can't get it through my head how windows is going to work on a, on a tiny device with a small screen real estate <laughs> if you know what i mean that's mm. the part that I, I don't practically for me it, it just doesn't function very well you know what i mean from I mean, a whole ux experience how is that going to work where the steam deck itself is a very different beast because it's it's on a different ecosystem it has a very specific OS that it kind of like where you know it launches some of this stuff I mean they allow you to use Windows on it but you know it's not a Windows device you know and it's you know when you get it it's not Windows device it's something else yeah yeah which leads me to my next point Steam Deck is it's a Linux machine that uses Proton 
and so let's just say what is proton and let me just kind of read this from Wikipedia proton is a compatibility layer for Microsoft Windows games to run on Linux based operating systems proton is developed by valve in cooperation with developers from code weavers it is a collection of software and libraries combined with a patched version of wine to improve performance and compatibility with Windows games. Proton is designed for integration into the Steam client known as Steam Play. It is officially distributed through the client, although third-party forks can be manually installed. It is a fork of Wine. And we won't get into what Wine is, but you know that's a well-known kind of like um, that's well-known in the kind of Linux space. But what I'm trying to say here is that with Proton improving because of Steam Deck, this <laughs> is going to improve Linux gaming. You would, you would make it more available, I think. You know, you would, well, you would expect, you would expect it would at least help the library of games on on Linux. Yeah, yeah. You, you imagine like that. Valve themselves are doing all this work to make Steam games. I mean, I think they were saying like the, the top hundred. Steam games, right? Now work with Steam Deck. Mm. Mm. No problem. Okay. So does does that not imply that Valve are really just improving Linux gaming? <laughs> so what? That's a hidden veiled attack at Microsoft. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying that the, the facts speak for themselves. <laughs> you know, first of all, you are a SteamOS Linux mm. ecosystem. Second of all, the technical layer you're using to run these games, Proton, is a Linux technical layer, and you're basically making the games work with it. Mm. And does that mean ultimately at some point down the line, when it, when they've kind of gone through this exercise, they actually might even but, be a Steam console? Yeah, but maybe, maybe this is also just the fact that you don't have to worry about Windows licensing as a result. So. Just to keep the cost down, because a lot, of, a lot, of, you know, same with laptops. There is a, you know, <laughs> Windows 10, Windows 7 license associated with every single purchase, normally, anyway. Yeah, yeah. But I just, I suspect that, you know, like um, dealing with the Windows license, <laughs> which is basically a sum of money, mm. right, is just basically far simpler than trying to basically Work around get it. games working <laughs> with this thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> this is a this this to me feels like a bigger endeavour. Mm -hmm. But yet they're going down this route. You know what I mean? Because yeah. we know that Steam Deck can work with Windows. We know that, right? But yet their Valve are continuing with their little journey with Proton and you know what is Linux. So I do wonder about that. I do wonder. Hmm. You know. I mean, you hear about all the kind of like the Xbox and um, PlayStation people. Oh yeah, yeah, Steam Deck. It's it's, it's definitely a it's definitely a Xbox or PlayStation handheld. Uh -huh. And I think, what are you guys talking about? <laughs> what are you talking? What are you talking about? This this device. It's a Linux device. You know, it's a Linux device. I mean, he, he, even the uh, obviously the PC guys. And at least from their perspective, you can basically install Windows on it. But yeah, yeah guys, it's a Linux <laughs> device that you can play PC games on. 
that's what it is. Yeah. Mm. So I, I just thought that would, that was an interesting perspective on mm. on the whole conversation, right? That people aren't really kind of considering or necessarily thinking about. Yeah. This kind of like this this is this is bringing up an, another facet of gaming, which is gaming on Linux. And really, no one's really considering it. It's just like you know, um, for some reason, right? Um, the, the Steam Deck's just become the portable poster child for all sorts of other kind of like platforms, you know, ecosystems. But really, it's an entirely different ecosystem that it sits in. Yeah, yeah. you know what I mean. That was really my take on it, anyway. And I think, guys, with that said, it is time to move on to our next topic. Okay guys, so the next thing I want to get into is really that ongoing fight between Xbox and PlayStation. Mm. So I've kind of titled this The Looming Threat of Xbox. <laughs> What's Sony's plan? So let's set the scene a little bit, okay? So clearly Game Pass casts a massive shadow over gaming, over PlayStation, mostly everything. But what are the numbers? So the current state of play in terms of console sales, as of March 2022, we're talking about 18.76 million PS5 sold versus Xbox Series X and S, 12.81 million. Mm -hmm. So I was, I was kind of thinking, like, is 2022 the launch pad for more Xbox? Yeah, possibly, right? I mean, because it's doing much better than it has in the previous generation. And maybe ever, mm. yeah? Mm. So, you know, what we're seeing is that from January to February in 2021, the PS5 actually sold over half a million more units than the Xbox Series X mm. NS. But January to February 2022, PS5 has sold 1.11 million units, whereas the Xbox Series X and S has sold 1.02 million units. So it's kind of converging. It's getting closer. Yeah, were those UK st stats or was it like a global stats? I believe those are global, actually. Mm. Yeah, the global <laughs> stats. Global. <clears throat> the thing is, there's, there's other factors as well, right? There's um, supply chain constraints in terms of building the components. Also, the fact that Xbox has a cheaper console with cheaper parts. I would be interested to know how much of the, of the Xbox numbers are broken by the are made up of the Series S model, mm. which, which boosts the numbers. But, but even even stepping back from that, I, I think it's it's very interesting how Xbox have have done pretty well in in terms of units sold, considering they haven't really had that many banging first party games come out. I think the back catalogue is is quite deep on Game Passes, which has probably helped. And yeah, and interesting to see how they'll do it this year, given they've had a couple of big games that have been pushed to 2023. But you know, they've done on the surface, they've seemed done done pretty well compared to the previous generations and keeping up. Correct. And and really, you might say that Game Pass is their big banging first party product. <laughs> do they do they need those exclusives? You know, with a service like that. But you know it's interesting. It's it's interesting information. I mean, Xbox Series X and S selling better than Xbox 360 in the same kind of like time window, and Xbox 
XNS has outsold PS5 in Japan for the first time in almost a decade. <laughs> and I think this happened, I think, this mm. month. Yeah. But, but what's the catalyst for that, though? Because I, I, there's, there's no Japanese game, so it, it has be to be supply. supply. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, potentially. The other assumption is that, you know, uh, Japanese gamers just want to play Japanese games. <laughs> but like uh that's that's not necessarily you know the whole truth mm, right true, yeah. i'm i'm also guessing that um japan like their their small compact products mm. and i think the xbox sit you know series s kind of represents that well yeah especially in comparison to the ps5 yeah the and the xbox mm. you know series x big units yeah mm. what we can say now is that you know for sure playstation 5 is selling worse than the ps4 during the same time we know but it started better and it's you know it, it's still close but it you know the numbers don't lie it's doing it's doing worse and we actually don't have right now information regarding the split between xbox series x and s sales or ps5 disc or discless i don't think that information is widely available at the moment okay and just to be clear these numbers are actual units sold to the customer versus shipped shipped to the yeah. retailer stores and we know most of them sell out in retail stores anyway yeah. yeah they sell through i don't i don't actually think sony kind of um deliver numbers in any any other way i don't think they've done that for a while mm. still impressive numbers mm. supply constraint or not issues or not but there's that looming threat of xbox they're very close <laughs> Breathing down Sony's <laughs> neck. <laughs> well, in, in terms of a, a long-term play, I mean, if you think about, as you said, Game Pass being their main product, mm. you know, once you're on there, you're going to be hooked. It's the same as having a Netflix, right? To to, to leave will be very, very hard. Oh, um, people are cancelling subscriptions. They are They are starting to now. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into that. <laughs> you know, I know this is leading, but we'll get into that. You know, we, we can say it certainly at the, at the start of the year, you know, the outlook for Xbox... Looking pretty good. They're not a punch bag, you know, this generation, no way. What can we really kind of like say about the current gen? Yeah, well really so far it's been about cross gen plus services. And really Xbox has had kind of Halo and Forza release in the last year, 2021 Q4. Both games cross gen. PlayStation had Horizon in Gran Turismo in I think it was Q1 2022, again, cross-gen. We know supply issues persist, though it can be said that getting an Xbox is a little easier, or has been a little easier. Yep. Game Pass has 25 million subscribers as of Jan 2022. PS Plus has 48 million subscribers as of December 2021. Yeah. Mm. Now, Microsoft reports that Xbox had a record Q1 2022 in earnings. What, in terms of Game Pass? In terms of the Xbox business, mm. Al. The Xbox business in its entirety. Mm. Whereas Sony's recording the second largest quarterly revenue for PlayStation during the holiday period, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 2021. That was $7.15 billion in that, I guess, the quarter. And that's basically higher than any other platform holder. Mm -hmm. And I just kind of said, ever. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting how, how PlayStation have kept the PS Plus brand in, in terms of their Game Pass. They can say the numbers Correct. are high. 
because I, I, I still don't think they're gonna they're gonna have the same translation of people to the higher tiers that which are closer to Game Pass but nowhere near Game Pass because they don't have the first party day one. But yeah, and it's not that hook of a day on day kind of it, uh, it, first, yeah. No, no, but you, it does actually reinforce what you're saying that you know Xbox is breathing down Sony's neck now. It really is. And I just thought that we should give special consideration that you know. There's about 100 million Xbox Gold subscribers. How? I don't know. <laughs> but those are the figures I, I, I've seen, yeah? It's also worthy to note that PS4, Xbox One, still being sold. And we're still in this cross-gen phase. You know, we haven't left it. And it'll probably go on for a little bit longer because of the, the issues that, you know, we're having. So it's a question on the, on the Xbox Gold subscribers. Is that mostly console numbers or does that have a bit of Unsure. PC as well? I would have thought it had to have some PC in there, but I can't remember Xbox Gold for PC. Yeah, I think you could probably... I think it had some level of Windows stuff on it, Xbox Gold, but that must yeah. predominantly be for the standard Xbox. Could be people who have got some, you know, legacy Xbox consoles, and I guess with Game Pass also, uh, Xbox Gold comes with comes with the higher tier, you know, comes with Games Pass, so those numbers are factored in there as well. It's still a number. Right, That's okay. a big number. It's a massive number. It's interesting because there's a new European regulation where you can't just uh, let customers <laughs> persist on a, a subscription if they're not using it. You have to give them a warning that you're going to cut them off within 30 days if they've not been active and then actually cut them off yeah. and, stop, and stop payments. Intriguing. I don't know when, that, when that's well, coming to an effect. It's in effect already soon, so. because, yeah, because Xbox... Oh, is it? First, okay, yeah. They've already kind of remediated that and yeah. then PlayStation did it. So that's already happened. Right, okay, there you go. So these numbers are going to change then, aren't they? Let's see. So the playing field... <laughs> yeah, like in, indeed, but, uh, you know, <laughs> it's, it's interesting. It is very interesting. And I, I will say, as a last point, let's not forget, currently, the Nintendo Switch is still the best-selling current-gen console. Don't forget that, you Xbox and PlayStation fanboys. <laughs> yeah. It's last well, it, it's, now, it's, it's, it really? it's, it's whenever Nintendo side decide to refresh their tech, <laughs> you know? It's like, that's this is their current-gen, you know what I mean, until they decide to basically uh, move over. Mm. So, with all that said, with kind of Xbox kind of really breathing down Sony's neck, you know, how we want to consume games kind of really ch changing and really kind of, you know, Xbox and Microsoft really changing the kind of like playing field. Does Sony have a plan? Because Xbox has one. They've got one, right? So, so far, what's their plan? Well, we've got a new version of PS Plus that will launch in June. And it's being kind of rolled out across different regions. And I think it's end of May region by region. I don't think we're even going to get it in the US or the UK first. Confusingly, there are three membership options. PS Plus Essential, which is current day PS Plus, PS Plus Extra, and PS Plus Premium. And running down these things, PS Plus Essential, same as PS Plus current day, so nothing much to kind of talk on there, but you know, you, you get your two free monthly game downloads and exclusive discounts, cloud saves, and online multiplayer access. PlayStation Plus Extra, 
provides all the benefits of the Essential tier and adds a catalogue of up to 400 games mostly on PS4 and PS5 and those games will rotate as well that's been basically announced so not really that much different from from I would say Game Pass so what they've announced so far is you know Death Stranding, God of War, Mortal Kombat 11, Returnal and the Spider-Man games and there's more actually they recently kind of updated PlayStation blog to list out you know many more games that that's going to be as part of the service not the entire list but I think they they talked about between 50 to 100 games yeah they just outlined them now PS Plus Premium provides again all the benefits of essential extra plus adds 340 additional games including PS3 games via cloud streaming a catalogue of classic games available in both streaming and download options for PlayStation, PS2 and PSP cloud streaming access for PlayStation, PS2, PSP and PS4 games and they've also said that PS Now has been or I should say their streaming service has been expanded across more countries which I found quite strange you can stream these games on PS4, PS5 and PC and there's also that time limited trials service that we've kind of talked about before so effectively customers can try before they buy and in two degree Sony have almost mandated this it's for games that cost $34.99 and above and they've got to offer the trial within three months of release and you know back in the day this was discussed by kind of Trip Hawkins in and around PS Now that gamers could you know try before they buy but back then there was a significant pushback from creators and publishers so the interesting thing is if they can create a mechanism where the game developers don't have to create a demo package which is obviously more work i.e playstation has a timer and that the game gets deleted off the console that's exactly how it works yeah okay great developers mm. don't have to do anything apparently but playstation does the work mm. and it's probably uh it's a counter mm. it's a two-hour counter from the time they start the game rather than from the time they download the game it's kind of like it's an interesting way i mean uh, they're really forcing the issue mm -hmm. yeah i remember in destiny 2 like the, the first campaign had like uh <laughs> parts of the campaign that made you think it had fit the persistent features <laughs> of the game that didn't disappear <laughs> mm. yeah i mean I, I mean all this could change really um, sony they own the service they'll obviously collect the data they need to to say to say is it worth doing i, I just think on the face of it game trolls what we used to call game demos is pretty consumer friendly. You know, why not try before you buy? It feels like Sony is shoehorning a feature to justify the higher price versus having anything really substantial. I don't like the tears myself, but you know, we'll get into that. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I do think having games trials at that tier seems a bit weird, if you know what I mean. Yeah, it should be open to all of them, really. Yeah, I kind of, you know, felt that was a that you should have played that a little bit differently but again the service can change you know it will be about competition at the end of the day but as you said it feels like some of these things should be open to all the tiers but i just think they've got one too many tiers probably yeah three tiers difficult to understand yeah, what's the right? what's the price difference it's very complicated <laughs> but it it's again it's yeah it's one too many tiers in in my view mm. It's whatever they feel they can get away with. 
you know, we'll have to watch this space and see what happens. But obviously, they've absolutely confirmed it won't offer, you know, day-on-date first-party games. However, in an interview, they're not really shutting the door on that. They just said, not now. Now, I don't ever think they will do an Xbox and say, every first-party game that we produce on Game Pass, mm. I still maintain they're not big enough as a company to absorb that sort of yeah, you know, cost. Yeah, it's quite crazy to do that, especially when there's, when there's enough hype around certain games. They're not big mm. enough. I mean, they're not they're not a trillion, trillion dollar company like a, a Microsoft is. I also, without going off on a tangent, I, I, I don't think we've really seen the impact on game design off the back of Microsoft having Game Pass with their first party games on. I suspect they are going to lean towards more games as a service. Potentially. And with Sony, with their first-party single-player games that have been very successful, it would break that model as well. So, you know, I was a bit frustrated that PlayStation didn't add that, but I can also see how it would... It can impact game design. And that's what, that's one thing I don't want. I, I don't... I want, people, I want both yeah. companies to experiment and come up with new features and evolve game design not not break it but if you imagine that the financials involved in a service like game pass not necessarily game pass or service like it could could mean that you have to shorten games and provide less content because the bottom line tells you that it's just too damn expensive to make them all right like that and the only way i'm going to get my money back is to provide shorter more episodic content it will be, yeah. No, that, that, exactly. So, so, for example, let's just take, um, I think, Motorsport, Forza Motorsport 8 is the next one, and you've got Gran Turismo. I can ima- imagine them, them bleeding <laughs> all of the cars released over multi-years on Xbox to just to keep that. And they even bleed out all the tracks. I mean, I mean, I'll, I'll actually go fast. It's, it's they're, the only, they're going to do, do it, right? They'll have to. They'll have to. Not even just that, Al. That that's going to happen regardless, mm. right? Because you know that model exists already. But it's like companies will start saying, "I don't want to risk investing mm. all this money into this game. I have to basically release a a, a limited version of my vision because I can't spend that sort of money because the returns aren't there anymore." Yeah, and and if it and if it can be and if it ends up being a flop, right? So you you know why put why put yourself through all that risk? There's a risk or reward. Mm, all of mm. it. All of it. It's just return on investment. You know, some gamers listening to is because shut the air. <laughs> <out." laughs> you know what I mean? But that's reality, guys. That's the reality, right? <laughs> We're dealing with multi-million, multi-billion, and in some cases, multi-trillion companies here. How do you think they got there? They're not charities, so you know. This is this is this is the looming threat of maybe a service like this as well, because. For every good thing that's on Netflix, there's probably about five or ten horrible pieces of content. I would say 80, 20, 20% reasonably good stuff with, and then that 20%, yeah. 5% is good, as in a quarter, <laughs> um, and the rest is junk. And, and uh, I, I think it has the potential to have exciting, ex- more experimental game design in Xbox, right? Given their culture, I think they can promote that. And I think a game is fine if it's small, but as long as it's taking risks. If it's the same game as the previous one, they've just artificially stretched it out. I think all gamers will just will have right, you know, get very frustrated by that. So what one point I wanted to make, right, is 
amongst all this transition to games subscription service, managing your studios effectively is absolutely critical. And we're right. going to talk about that. Uh, okay, great. Okay, Sony, Sony's, yeah. Yeah, Sony are much stronger than that. It's a big fact factor, actually, and we're seeing that right now. It's a big factor. Mm. Getting back to what Sony's plan is, that the fact they've got, I think, you know, one too many tiers, right? You know, we, we talked on day and date, but really, we still haven't got local PS3 emulation. But there are rumours now they're working on it. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, I heard that as well, yeah. It's actually quite interesting, because I, I, I do think, right, that whether we have local... PS3 emulation or not, it's not for everybody. It's just for people like us. We're in love of our games and like technology. It's not going to be for the masses. But but don't don't you think that that's the driving force between the tiers on 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 Sony's current tiering system and and people are going to subscribe to to these services are the hardcore gamers initially. So it is important. (laughs) It's not because of the numbers necessarily, if you know what I mean, because the numbers will mostly be on the right. PS Plus side, then the, the middle tier, and then obviously the real hardcore, the people like who, who like kind of retro games and the history of games and whatnot and have had a long experience. That's where they all want to sit. But let, let's get back to the interesting part of this conversation, which is like, there could be a local PS3 emulator. But what I heard recently, and I think it was on uh, Sacred Symbols, is that PS3 games employed really different techniques to get around the limitations of, let's say, you know, the cell processor. And we know that because it was horribly difficult to kind of develop for. The, the GPU on the PS3 was actually comparably low powered. So they had to find a way to redress the balance, if you like. You know, a, as an example, th- there's one specific anti-aliasing technique called MSAA. And it actually did that by distributing workload across all the uh, cells cores or the SPUs. They did really kind of specific things like that, custom things like that, to get more out of the PS3 architecture. So what they said that was quite interesting, which made perfect sense to me, is that the emulator has to work almost as many different emulators, dealing with the different techniques that maybe kind of specific engines applied. And that's one of the reasons why it's been so difficult to get an emulator out and you know there is a pc emulator out there right and, it, and it's uh it's doing a reasonable job the thing is with that emulator you need the highest tier of consumer pc to run it well <laughs> right and people the way they basically tune that thing right is they actually have to switch off stuff like msaa because it's so in, it's so kind of intensive so it definitely is a challenge the more i kind of hear about what's uh having to be done it definitely is a challenge the techniques employed are very kind of like custom they also go against the against the grain of how we typically develop games now because <laughs> everything's on, on the gpu it's not on the cpu we don't do that sort of stuff on the Jesus. cpu this is something to cons- to consider but that's exciting i think if they got that up to the highest tier i'd be excited mm. by that but I'm, I'm a geek so i'm just thinking it must have been hell for ps3 developers yeah but look at the results <laughs> you know it was hell, but I mean, look at the results, mm-hmm. yeah. The other thing that um, I would call out is that the way that the backwards compatibility works right now is you can't really play your retro game collection from the disc. You just can't. On the PS5, one of the reasons you can't is is that you can't even read the disc. 
So, so there's a hardware limitation. There's a hardware yeah. limitation. So you can't even do it. But that was probably for anti-piracy reasons, right? They just didn't build it into the, the unit mm. and it was probably cost considerations. If, if their plan is to eventually have every single PS1, PS2... Well, actually, in fact, I'll take that back. They're never going to have every game, are they? Because they won't have the licenses for every game. So that is a bit of a bummer, isn't it? Whereas Xbox own... Does Xbox own the license the same, for every single yeah. game published? No, so they're the same challenge. It's just right? that they okay, must so, have been based on a, at least a, yeah, a Windows yeah. form factor before, so they probably were a little bit easier to backward compatible. I, I don't know if it no? is, Al, because they, they even have challenges with music licensing in game. Mm. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, I'm, I'm not talking about whether Microsoft are able to get every single game. I'm talking about whether they mm. have the licensing... Nope. To put it even on, and I think well, they'd have to have, they, a, they they'd have they, have a new agreement with whoever um, whoever owns the rights to it. All ex- all expensive stuff. But if, you, if you've got if you've got the the Xbox disc, can you play on the Xbox? I believe you can. New... But ah, then again, that's okay, not every yeah. game. Yeah, on the on the PlayStation, no, because physically you can't. Yeah, I mean, wh- I mean, what they should consider is hell. We scan barcodes all of the time, right? Do something along those lines. Have it tied to your account once you do that. Because obviously, you know, when PlayStation 1 was around, PlayStation 2, there was no kind of like, uh, you know, PSN. Not not a good version <laughs> of it anyway. It's it's not it's not a real fix, really, but it's a way to get around that. And show, uh, show a little bit more kind of respect to your, you know, to the consumers. The other thing that I say is notable by its absence is PS Vita. Hmm... I'm thinking they may save that for a for a future iteration because I hope they do it actually because there were some stellar things on PS Vita that but they can they can deliver it over time mm-hmm. so I, I do believe it will come and it should. The PS Vita's challenge is it's like we talked about PSVR. It's the physical aspects of that hardware. PS Vita had the the back touchpad. It had the touchscreen. <laughs> it had all these other controls, right? And that's where there's going to be a challenge. And that's where I think they, they've skipped it for they've now it, until they can find some so. solutions around this. Mm. Yeah, the question I had was, all of the tiering on PlayStation uh, uh, and all of the, even the marketing on the Xbox side around the back catalogue, catalog, how long do you think people will be really interested in playing older games before the people go, well, that's great. And then, then it becomes only, well, Xbox has the first party, so then really that's really what I want. Because that's when Sony's going to have a problem. Depends on if there's enough new content to keep people busy. If there's not enough new content, people will go back to their back catalogue, their retro games, play a bit of that to keep themselves busy. Yeah, I, I just somewhere think that the people that did had nostalgia from those games are much older <laughs> and have far less time, and they like the romantic idea of having access to it. <laughs> But will they really pay for it? And then will they really pay for it on a persistent period to actually have a subscription for a long period to warrant Sony and Xbox having mm. it, the, the the service? That's where Xbox shines because it's, it's got the first parties day one going forward. And I think what I'm basically saying is I think PlayStation will be forced into a corner where they're going to have to put the first parties on there as well. But not necessarily every first party game. I don't know that it will do that. But look, to get back to, to your whole backwards compatibility question, I think it's a two-tiered question. Because I think, number one, right, 
there is a massive retro scene at the moment. People out there, young and old, who seem to want to play these retro games. And there's obviously, you know, connected to that, there's the, the game preservation slant, which is, you know, to my mind, kind of building a little bit more traction these days. I mean, it's not massive, you know, compared to you know, everybody that plays games, but it's, it exists. The other thing is, this whole backwards compatibility and with these this old content, will technology one day get it to a point where it kind of looks okay on modern, you know, modern screens and modern technology? It gives it an extra set of legs. You know, it, it doesn't really, it does not really uh, place or substitute, let's say, day-on-day first-party games. But there's definitely a kind of, um, kind of like group in the community who want this sort of thing. It's just good PR, if not anything else. There are people out there who are restoring old consoles, collecting old <laughs> console games. They're building kind of emulation in with FPGAs and hardware. It's all real stuff, and I'm seeing it more and more. You know what I mean? So I guess it's like people kind of like buying vintage clothes or something, or wanting to dance the kind mm. of seriously bad kind of eighties music. Yeah, they went through the whole <laughs> mini series, and you know, so yeah, it made good money. Yeah, and and that nostalgia people still hold on to. You know, I've I bought uh, what was it the uh, Mass Effect remaster? I've I've touched it for maybe like an hour. <laughs> well, let me let me put it this way: in a video streaming service. Would you not expect to be able to watch old films? Hmm. Yep. It may be in rotation. Maybe not all of them. No. But you'd, you'd want some, hmm. right? People kind of talk about, you know, the greatest films of all time. You know, like Star Wars, <laughs> Citizen Kane. Uh, it's a wonderful life. You know what I mean? There's an expectation. It fills up, it fills up the numbers as well, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and you can use all, the, all, all of the logos yeah. and stuff and marketing. So it's, it's, all, it's kind of the reality of how much people do play those retro games or actually watch those retro films is i think is much lower than people probably think absolutely i and i totally agree with you the the power of saying you have it is disproportionate to the actual use of that content i think well it's the same as even just having games in your library mm. even though we've not even played them. <laughs> of course <laughs> Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, this, and this, this is this is why I've said, you know, these sorts of game services may not be as valuable as, or practically valuable as you think. Giving all this shade about kind of like um, PlayStation's new service and their tiers, the reality is there's good value here because ultimately it gives you access, if the numbers are correct, to 740 games, and some of which <laughs> obviously rotate in and out. It does offer game uh, trials, which, on the face of it, seem consumer friendly again the new ps plus service it appears it's kind of safe isn't it i mean it's not it's not doesn't do anything that you wouldn't expect it to do almost so i'm still missing the price because I, I can't if without the price i can't tell you if it's good value the price is out what i did like i kind of broke it down so um how did i compare it so i said it would be better to compare xbox gold versus ps plus essential or current day PS Plus, because mm-hmm. the reality, and I don't know why people not saying this, that is the comparison. Mm. That is the like for like service, not PS Plus versus Game Pass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we should compare Game Pass v's PS Plus Extra or PS Plus Premium. Mm. That's that's the comparison. Let's go through the list. Yeah, let's go through the information. So Xbox Gold six ninety nine a month. As much as I could see, there was no yearly charging model. 
Well, at least I couldn't find one. PS Plus Essential, or the current day PS Plus, is also $6.99. And it's effectively $49.99 for the year, which boils down to £4.20 per month when you basically do the math. So that gives you obviously multiplayer, two monthly free games, cloud saves, membership discounts. For PS Plus, they give you one additional thing, which is this uh, PS collection, these 20 games or so. A small curated game collection, which is, you know, decent enough. Now, when you start comparing, let's say, Xbox Game Pass, so let's compare it to PS Plus Extra. So obviously, all the same things as Xbox Gold and PS Plus Essential. But let's say every one of those services gives you 100 plus games. PS Plus Extra, they give you a kind of a boundary and they say 400, but it's 100 plus. Xbox Game Pass gives you game streaming, PS Plus Extra does not. You get EA Pass with Xbox Game Pass. And you get day-on-day -day new releases with Xbox Game Pass. Cloud-enabled browser play, that's Xbox. But it's, I think it's more about streaming and playing games on a, on a web browser, that sort of thing. Both no PC games. I would say Xbox Game Pass gives you some retro games. Both don't give you this games uh, trolls feature. But really, you know, with 100 plus games, 400 games, you know, in many ways, kind of who cares? But you do get day on date with Game Pass as well. So that's kind of like one up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the cost is. $7.99 for Game Pass, $10.99 PS Plus Extra. Again, I couldn't see a, an annual charging model for Game Pass. For PS Plus Extra, that's about $83.99 or £6.99 a month. In my mind, it feels like there's a, a, a definite, well not quite definite, there's a win here for Game Pass. You know, I think that's, that's, that's clear to me. When we get to the the highest tier, you've got everything above. Uh, Xbox Game Pass has got 100 plus games, but for Xbox and PC, you'll get 740 games for PS Plus Premium. PC Gaming for the Game Pass Ultimate. Retro Gaming's for both. And I would say Game Trials for uh, PS Plus Premium. And what are the costs? £10.99 for Xbox Game Pass Ultimate. £13.49 for PS Plus Premium. Again, yearly or annual charging model, that's £99.99. That's about £8.33 mm. per month. It's very comparable. Mm. I think the last tier is actually very, very comparable. And you might say the last tier, in terms of cost, is actually is closer to Xbox Game Pass than you might mm. think. Mm. The comparable services it's just how much do you want the day and day yeah how much do you want that so those are the numbers that's the comparison now so again does playstation have a plan <laughs> well then armchair ceo now speaks so obviously there's more well, there's more than two things there's a number of things i think uh, uh i think the new ps plus has just got too many tiers and I, i'm also thinking does the standard PS Plus Essential, should it even exist? Because why not update it and put a bit more pressure on Xbox Gold hmm. or, or Game Pass or whatever it may be? And I just felt I just felt it should have been two tiers. 
So you have your kind of standard PlayStation Plus, the same benefits as of today, six ninety nine per month. But you get your monthly downloads, your discounts, your cloud storage, your online multiplayer access, uh, which, to my mind, these things shouldn't even be a thing anymore. If you know what I mean, yeah. But give people a a new PS collection, but extend it to a uh, hundred games, <laughs> and rotate that in and out. And by all means, have retro games in there, and have all those big hitters, those mm. legacy or older big hitters that you're talking about. Okay, and maybe for the for the premium tier, have all of that, but price at eleven ninety nine. Let's say six hundred and forty additional games. Yeah, um, PS three games as per usual. You know all of that sort of good stuff. Streaming if you really want that. Okay, uh, the time limited game trials. I've kind of left on this upper tier, but to be honest. You could have them on both tiers, have one locked at two hours and have another locked at between three to four hours or something, mm. if you know mm. what I mean. Yeah. To me, that would have been a, a more compelling offering <laughs> if you're not going to basically do day on day kind of releases and all that kind of stuff. But obviously they didn't do that. And I don't think it's bad. I just think it's it just feels like a, almost a, a little bit of a missed opportunity or Sony are just treading very very carefully mm. hearing on the side of caution watching what happens yeah. which is like what i think they've been doing lately so i mean i've got some thoughts i don't know jay if you've, you've got any specific thoughts on this one i personally am not going to subscribe mm. to this it's not strong enough for me but you'd still need the basic tier not for the for, for things like destiny that, that's not subscribing to anything new is it and that's mm. I'm, i've already i've already got that the the, the games in the first tier up the playstation plus are mm. i'm happy to just buy them because they're quite they're reasonably cheap now and then going to the tier above there isn't enough to really sway me i mean i like the idea of mm. those retro games i just don't think i will play many of them but that's that's its current state now i i do think that they'll get forced into doing first party mm. eventually and then i then i would subscribe um but PlayStation have a lot of lot of regular mm -hmm. sales on a lot of those games, and as soon as those games are on, well, this is an interesting thing. Those games that they have regular sales on, once they're on the the, the higher tiers of PlayStation Plus, will they not have those sales? Probably <laughs> to push to push people towards it. But I I, I just don't. I agree. Uh, was on the points before. Too many tiers. It's confusing. I don't think they're strong enough for people to to subscribe to them other than the hardest of hardcore. I feel, I feel like it's going to flop a little bit like PlayStation now has. Um, but it won't, they won't, <laughs> they, they've cleverly kept the name the same so that it won't look like a flop. So, But it will be a flop. And coming back to the ultimate question, which is, do they have a plan? They do have a plan, but it's... It, 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 for me it's wrong <laughs> they are what their plan is they're fundamentally going to lose because any company that starts from a, a we're ahead and we're going to try and preserve being ahead you will always fail eventually because all your decisions decisions are going to be around be protecting what you've already got it doesn't it doesn't even involve yeah. day on day releases where, where, where's the where, where's the 
they bought Crunchyroll, <laughs> you get access to some of the content there, or you get access to some some of the Sony movies, or they've got they've invested in Evo, and you get you know, dare I say it, some NFTs or some new avatar stickers to put <laughs> on your profile, or you get special back access to some of the the interviews of some of the people. The I think they'll have one more contenders. I, 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 I don't one know. More it, it's just it's just weak. I just think that it, I, I just hope. They've oh got come, a yeah, it's weak. It's I don't weak. need think they need more tiers. I just think they need to bolster. I don't think I don't tiers. think they have to. So I I, I think mm. I understand what they're trying to do here. Like leaving PlayStation Plus alone because they've got a huge number of people still on PlayStation Four. You know, just why would they offer anything extra in that in that existing current place? There's there's no, there's no real reason for them to do that unless they're really trying to grab back some kind of market. But I don't think they have to. It's not grabbing back markets, mm. uh, Al. It's not losing mm. it. <laughs> That's oh, yeah, the problem, yeah. But they have no, they have, well, there's no other reason to offer more. You know, Xbox may be offering really, really good value from a Xbox Game Pass perspective. But as we've been saying, I think if they put the, the their kind of first-party titles on there, that def- that's actually going to be detrimental. They're going to lose so many sales, yeah. and it just feels like they can't afford to do that. Yeah, I don't feel they need to necessarily offer... Let's say day on day mm, first part mm. releases on there. I, I don't. I, I honestly think they they could actually get away with maybe offering one or two of those titles a mm. year, and that could be the offering plus these other levers that um, that Jay's talked mm. about that we you know, we talked about in the past because you know they're more than they're more than a games company. Yeah. Only they've got a lot of different levers, but I just think this free tier configuration is a little bit confusing. Mm. They don't have to offer day in day in day releases, mm. but it just doesn't feel that you're putting enough yeah. pressure on their competition. I mean, if I think about it, they probably don't need that middle tier. But I do think there's a beyond this premium tier because if you talk about all the stuff around Crunchyroll and other things that movies and we've we've been talking about it before, I think they have to charge more. Fundamentally, essentially, <laughs> this feels like a it feels like a wet fart. <laughs> it's just like it's just it's it's just it's. It's just a boring, boring step forward. Mm. It, it's it's just not. Uh, and 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 that their hand is going to get forced. I mean, Microsoft have, have failed, <laughs> failed. I mean, it might be on purpose, but they've flopped on their first party party releases for this year. So Redfall and um, Starfield. But if you look at what games will plan to come out in 2023 mm. with those two big titles and and their Game Pass offering, they are going to have every quarter one or two, at least one, big bangers coming out. Yeah, but I don't know. It, it feels like it's a loss-making business. I don't know what I don't know what they're actually doing with that, and why does Sony need to compete in a loss-making business? It just doesn't make any sense. It won't be like it's not. It won't be a loss-making business, will it? So Microsoft are also going for you buy one of those dongles to put into your TV, mm. and, and more people have access to more games. I, I think they will have more of a push on the kind of the casual gamers as well. They will need those numbers. Yeah, they're, they're... because they're not going to get those numbers through the hardcore. Mm. No, exactly. Tell you, tell you that. What Microsoft need at the end of the day is a number of um, people who use the service on a regular basis to turn it from a lost deed business to something that's profitable. Mm. That's a bit of a build-up. It's not going to come because they've absorbed the kind of PlayStation nation or the Nintendo <laughs> players. That's not going to happen. Mm. They need a bit more than that. 
I haven't actually ever seen anything someone running the numbers that if you take an average of let's say five years what's their attach rate of the actual games if you took the cost of someone having a perpetual game pass license over five years would they roughly pay the same amount or would it be slightly more I, I suspect it's probably quite a similar amount it's probably similar yeah and then but they're going for a, a wider audience with more channels of people getting access to it yeah this is where sony has a fail plan because yeah. they're not going to make any bold moves and yeah i, th I think that's the problem they're not being very bold about this yeah i mean this, this is jim ryan's basically uh playstation <laughs> right because you know it's so weird there's no there's no big brash announcements but i'll just I, blog this but I, but I think we're also <laughs> in this i think they may have taken the right strategy maybe out of luck though current climate of the world it slowed things yeah. down i think we all agreed that you know pretty much they needed to be, do a little bit more wet fart yeah it doesn't <laughs> do enough really even if they crunched it down to two tiers right they could have bolstered what those tiers had offered and it would have been a little bit more kind of valuable if you know what i mean and you know ps plus and was it uh, xbox gold right now they're kind of dead offerings because they're the kind of offerings you want people to move off. I, I can imagine Xbox give, getting rid of getting gold. They tried mm. to already. Okay, yeah, they so tried that's... to by upping the price, and and gamers basically threw up their hands. No, what I'm saying is, if they if they say right, it's all free at that at that at that level. They haven't done it yet because what they try to do was up the cost of the thing to try and drop the numbers down. This is why I was thinking that PlayStation and Sony should just bolster the regular PS Plus right now to put them under a bit of pressure. <laughs> I mean, in effect, this is our Xbox Gold and it looks closer to Xbox Game Pass than it does anything else. Microsoft could squeeze Sony more if they drop the Gold, give it free, and condense their Game Pass <laughs> to one, that will shove Sony, won't it? They're not migrating anybody off that. They're trying to migrate them by decommissioning it, they're trying to make it a less desirable service oh, and all that sort of stuff. Right, I see what you mean. Those Xbox Gold are ones that are using older hardware, but are still paying. Yeah, why? Why would you yeah, offer it? Yeah. But that's that's why I said earlier. Yeah. Why would you change that? Why would you give them more? Why would you make it free? It just yeah. makes no sense. They're just milking anyone that's just still sticking on it. Xbox Gold won't even actually be on on the Microsoft website, so you can kind of discount that a little bit, can't you? Mm. But no one in their right mind on, a, <laughs> on, the, on a new... <laughs> well, I know, but there's a hundred million people who, or players who are still on it, you know, for some reason. Because you know? <laughs> they don't understand what Game Pass is. <laughs> I thought those were active users, weirdly enough, you know. I'm blown away by that number, but... I think the, the weird thing is, like, I actually might subscribe to the upper tier. And the reason I might do that is, is quite simple. I looked at the list and I thought, well, I haven't got some of these titles. Mm. So it might be actually all right for me to subscribe for the year. You know, I'm, I'm not in love with the service, but I kind of, you know, I'm looking at the, the numbers and I'm thinking, okay, it, that might be worth doing. But Jay, you're right in saying that really PlayStation have been really safe. Does PlayStation have a plan? Well, I hope they've got a roadmap because there's all these levers they could pull over time. <laughs> And I hope they're thinking like this, right? Because as you say, right, I'm not a believer that they'll, they want necessarily to do everything day on date releases, but I think they can do some things. But if they don't do that, then there's all these like, other levers you can, you can pull. Would you be happy if, if their titles were one year old 
that they came to their top top tier PlayStation Plus. Yeah, I think because these days, and again, it, it just depends on your circumstance. Yeah, I've got hundreds of games that I've not played, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm the wrong person to ask if you know what I mean. Doesn't retro games add to that then? Why you want? Yeah, of you course, want that? but it doesn't really matter. Retro game is a, a, collect- a collection. It's there. <laughs> yeah, it's a collection. You want it? <laughs> if I ever have time. Whole yeah. collection, yeah. though, isn't it? It's just yeah, stop yeah. subscribing. The, the, the people that that need to be asked are obviously the the hardcore PlayStation fans, but e- equally they seem to will buy anything that Sony kind of chuck their way. So you know, it's it's kind of like almost uh, Sony having to straddle this line. We know you'll pay, but equally. We know we basically don't offer this service. We might die. <laughs> it's just stuff like that. It's a, but I, I think that's where I see them basically just observing, waiting. That's what I feel they're going to be doing. But what what could their roadmap be? I mean, it's it's going to be. We know first party releases. It's too big a source of revenue. But they could offer one or two, let's say, a year. But they haven't said they wouldn't do this for third party. They haven't said that. EA and Ubisoft you know, offer services of their own. EA Play, Ubisoft Plus. You know, they could integrate that in the service if they wanted. And I think they've done that with Ubisoft already. I think that's just come out. And Sony want this whole 10 plus live service games by 2026. <laughs> think on this, guys. If day on date new releases is not in PlayStation's and Sony's bag, then if they want to be sticky and they want to kind of, let's say, develop services that are sticky, then what would you do? Yeah, how do you how do you coax somebody to basically giving you their money every month? Because ultimately, that's what they want to do, right? I mean, all, the, all these companies, that's what, that's what they want to do. An addictive free-to-play game. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, so you can, you, can see, you can see some of the strategy formulating here. We can't basically offer you first-party day-on-date but you know what we could do? This other thing. <laughs> I'm just thinking that comes in the in the thought process. Well, it's good, bad, or otherwise, because they, they want to retain the model they have because that makes them so much money. But how do we become sticky? They can be sticky without the kind of investment that 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 Microsoft are necessarily making because they can't afford to mm, do that. Mm. They're not big enough. I keep saying they're not big enough. They're big, but they're not... Not that big. Can, can you quantify that? Because I, I, the, the Microsoft are big enough to buy the game studios. It, it, it's like it's like I would say there's enough funding for them to do this without worrying about the consequences. Whereas I think Sony do need to worry about those consequences. I don't think they could afford to just throw money at the problem right now to try and to try and build that that, that consumer base. They actually need to be making money off the back of it. The narrative that you're saying is what a lot of people are saying, but I don't see the data that that supports it. So, for example, if you're saying that Sony have a lead and they make X amount of revenue and they they wouldn't make the same amount of revenue by Mm. moving everything to day one on, on, then, then that's fine, but that's the wrong way of looking at it. If you think about the competitions getting bigger and our position is going to get eroded over the next five years, and everything is going to go to a subscription anyway, and we know that, then taking a five or ten year, year horizon, we're going to actually, we're not, we know we're not going to sustain our model, we're going to lose it anyway, so we might as well just go head in heels now. 
So this is what I'm saying. No one's actually shown the numbers two to five year. It makes sense what they're doing there for the general idea. But actually five, 10, but, but 15. You, yeah, you can't. I think that's the problem is that a lot of the things, the numbers are actually hidden behind the scenes. All we can do at the moment as spectators is speculate. And the reality is, let's just say worst case scenario, right? For Sony, how much is it to develop a game? One of the big AAA titles, 200 million. So I guess we got to say over the number of years, how many games passed subs, games passed, whatever service subscription numbers would you need to cover that cost? Quite substantial still. And let's say they did it with every single first party game. And remember, the, the revenue will come, it will trickle in. Be a small portion, minor yeah, portion it will in all of that. Yeah, yeah you're not going to get the big bang you would get in, say, the first three months of a sale. But that's not going to happen. It will trickle feed in, potentially. So, stuff like that has got to be taken into account. It's, it's absolutely true. If Sony weren't to do something, or they weren't to try and establish a model where they could compete, they might be gone. It's, that's, that's the truth of the matter. But can they? Because either, either way, if they just basically change the strategy, and let's not say, let's say if they did it overnight, hypothetically, they'll be out of business. It's just how? How can they absorb that cost? I don't know if they can. And without seeing numbers, obviously, no one really knows. No one really knows. For all we know, Game Pass is making a huge profit. <laughs> but I find that so difficult to believe. <laughs> you know, like... Uh, I, th I think it's... I'm surprised no one's done it. You could take their Sony's yearly accounts, and you, they'll have their R&D mm. numbers in there and the revenue numbers in there, and you can you can make a, a, an estimate on the number of games they have produced or going to produce, and work out the rough costs, what they will need to recuperate on, on their actual games as a service equivalent, and then extrapolate that over a two, five, ten year time period. And I'll, I'll be surprised if 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 they can't, they they can't actually make back the same numbers and it was 7.15 billion for the quarter right right but what i'm saying is even if they said right we can't do it at the same price as game pass but we can do day one for 15.99 with tiers of our first party releases up to 20 pounds a month and well, let's go. Let's go full tilt on on, on that. People might even pay. I just that, think right? Sony. I think Sony knows. I think Sony. I think Sony has those numbers behind the scenes, which is why they're not doing it. I think they know mm. how they've worked it out. Again, with the Xbox One and the Microsoft One, depending on if they've got a lot of money investment to supplement all this, then your profit and loss. Are, if you re if they really want to calculate it, I I think they would be making a loss. But you know, again, I'm theorizing. Uh, you know, I don't have it. Yeah, I mean, we're we're all theorising here. I mean, the other side to this is, what's it going to do to their share price? I mean, people do stupid stuff <laughs> because of their share price. I mean, and the reality is, maybe they just don't like that model. <laughs> That's the reality. It's like it's not our strategy. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's like it's like a, like a Nintendo yeah. would like. To. So we we, we mentioned at the, at, at the top of the topic was that Microsoft's credibility of hitting the ground running in this generation is starting to falter now and all of that goodwill is Correct. going out the window Correct. given that yeah. they've delayed some of the first but i think part of the the equation for microsoft is that they, they probably don't think they think microsoft might drop the ball in in managing their studios and releases yeah. so therefore let, let them fall, let them fall yeah, and then maybe exactly. we, we don't even have to take anything up basically if they have a roadmap 
then it gives them a bit more time to fulfill it. That's the other thing. It's just mm. like, you know, the threat is lessened and they could fulfill this 10 plus live services. And as we said, right, if any of those are amazing, like, you know, live service games, that's potentially 2 billion a year per game, right? So. Exactly. Uh, one last question I had was because I've been getting into fighting games recently and I've noticed that the good ones, <laughs> especially Arc Systems, are only on PlayStation, right? And I don't know if that's a Japanese thing, but could you imagine a world where the game studios that are left who rely on sales, because everyone get, on Microsoft Game Pass gets used to, oh, I'm only getting Game Pass, I'm not going to buy any third-party games. <laughs> and those people on those consoles stick to that. Therefore, all of those third parties all shift towards PlayStation. That's interesting, actually. <laughs> that, that that could impact this landscape quite a bit as well, because Sony, Sony has got... We need to talk about hardcore game specialties, right? There are still a few <laughs> niche games that are only PlayStation yeah, only. That's and I, not going to change in a while. The behaviour patterns in this this whole this whole topic is is massive. It's quite interesting. I I, I got to admit. I mean, let's close off the whole roadmap conversation and we'll get into the the rest of this. I think to me, Sony are going to go down the kind of live service route because my own feeling about this live service route, it just allows them to continue on with what they're doing. And that's my sole reason for suggesting they want to do this. Mm. They probably feel it will allow us to continue on with our AAA game model, but we'll make enough money. Ultimately, guys, it's not about really how they do it. They want billions rolling in. And however they do it is however they do it. I would also say this whole backwards compatibility thing, come on, it's about bloody time you can play our PS3 games with native emulation. It's turning into a bit of a kind of like a joke, isn't it, really? And, you know, also putting a, a system where, you, you know, if you own the game, you don't have to buy it again. Please. That would be quite nice. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, we know that PlayStation wouldn't be able, or 5 wouldn't be able to kind of play some of these um, older kind of games media. PS1, 2, kind of PSP, UMD and Vita cards, obviously. But the other lever... Jay's also touched upon, and we've touched upon in the past, is Sony, you've got film, TV, and music services. They've got Crunchyroll and Funimation. They've got Sony film and music content. They've got Evo in gaming tournaments. In PlayStation Productions, obviously has a universe of film and TV incoming. They've got Last of Us with Pedro Pascal. And Bella Ramsey from Game of Thrones. They've got the Uncharted film has come out, but now they're talking about turning that into a, a franchise. Tom Holland and Mark Wahlberg. Ghost of Tsushima. They've got an action film directed by uh, the guy who did John Wick. And they've got a twisted metal TV show with Anthony Mackie. God of War seems to be in negotiations with Prime Video. They've got levers, right? But God knows if they're going to pull them or yeah. not. You know, and this is what they need to think about. Integration with PSVR, we talked about cross-media levers and, you know, what are Sony really going to do with VR? Not really sure yet, but there's something there. They could have PlayStation VR games included because they're, it's not the same sort of They do right now. They do it. I've got a whole bunch of PSVR games that, that came free. Mm. The other thing that people are not really thinking about is... Well, they are, but they're thinking about it in terms of why are these games going to PC, you know? Integration with PC and, and mobile ecosystems. It's going to happen. That's where numbers are. Come on, yeah. seriously. I mean, that's why I was thinking, like, when you're saying about PlayStation, I was like, 
all, all of this stuff is coming to PC. Uh, I don't care. <laughs> they just got to go where the money is, effectively. The PlayStation might be the first platform, but it won't be the only platform. Yeah, so... I've got one last thing on the, on this, right, which is, is it the wrong thing to do to compare them? Is the question I'm asking. And the reason why I'm asking that is because, fundamentally, I think the whole generation is realised Let's forget competing with them. Yeah, remember we said earlier earlier on, right? I in mean, the same if we, way. If we, if we base way. it on, yeah. on traditional dimensions that we measure, the console walls, this mythical, weird console walls thing, right? Well, Sony, they've basically shown they're the kings of that model of doing business. There's a specific model. Microsoft have come out and they've said, I'm changing the rules of engagement. I sometimes don't even think they're on the same battlefield. Mm. Yeah, I don't think there are. Anymore. Yeah, I think that's what that's we're saying. What we're saying so, yeah. And I, I would agree with that. I, I don't really know that they are. And ultimately, the, the longer this goes on for, I think really they'll they'll kind of start diverging. I, I, I don't know. It, you know, it feels that way to me. And I mean, sure, Sony will have a service, but I don't think they want to leave their model behind, if you know what I mean. I think they want to supplement it. Whereas Xbox seem to want to leave the old model behind. Well, got, I think they've got a little bit of no choices. Yeah, there, there, is, there, is, there is that. But look, for all of that said, for all the, the looming threat of an, the Xbox and you know, how they're going to conquer gaming, right? The reality is, recently, as in the last week or two, they've decided to trade places in terms of, uh, let, let's say, positive or negative press. Xbox decides to kind of really stifle its own momentum. Maybe through no, well, through some fault of their own, you know, Xbox DRM issues resulting in an outage for four days or something, when actually no one could play any games. <laughs> and I think online or offline, because the way that DRM worked, you know, on that particular platform. And then obviously we know that, you know, Starfield and Red 4 have been delayed until the second half of 2023. And by the way, they, they said second, well, not second half. The, the first half of 2023, correct myself. But they, they said half. They didn't say quarter. They were very explicit about that. And Sony, okay, new PlayStation Plus games, looked actually decent. There's some good games there. They decided to be a bit more consumer friendly and said, if you bought a classic game in the past, you don't need to buy it again. And you don't even need to register to PS Plus to play them on PS4 or PS5. But we're talking about digital games here, okay, just to be clear. And actually, Ben Studios recently tweeted that Siphon Filter, which is an old PS1 game that they're bringing out as part of the service, they're building trophies for it, or they have built trophies for it. Yeah, I heard that today, actually, that the PS or the back catalogue will have trophies for a lot of those things. So Yeah, it, I mean, it doesn't particularly matter to me, but the fact that they're, they're doing that is actually something... about Xbox? The whole model of Game Pass being a place to play is kind of based upon good games and to a degree good first party games coming out on a regular basis and I think Jay you mentioned it earlier are Microsoft able to kind of manage these studios because you, know, you know so far the outlook for this year doesn't look good for them I'm sure there's other things to play on on the service but it's like they're weird the big titles I mean that that's that's the thing it's a tough one, isn't it? They're potentially going to have a show and have no release dates. For yeah, the rest I know. Of the year. That, that, that's an ugly look. But I mean, I, I'm not sure they're going to have no releases. But the thing is that the big titles, you know, the the things that, you know, people are thinking define Xbox now. It's, it's kind of done a runner until next year. Yeah. 
I mean, the, the thing that they have is that as they're shedding their new skin, they need new IPs and new identity. They, they can't afford to have the cyberpunk flop. So, and I'm okay with that, to be honest. I mean, I'll, I'll let my Xbox sit there with not, not switching it on. Yeah. <laughs> <another> year. <laughs> yeah. That's the problem you know what I mean? So, I, I don't know. I, I, it does feel they've got to do something about... I mean, because it's not the first time that people have kind of discussed whether, you know, Xbox are really good at managing their first-party <laughs> studios. I mean, this is not... I think this is the second or third time that this has come up. Well, I think Starfield already had those problems before this anyway, so... Yeah, yeah, potentially. That's that's for sure. COVID excuses as well. I mean, like, look, 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 at, look at Halo. Yeah, but that's, that's not going great guns, is it? No, that's what, that's what, that's what I'm saying. It, it is... There's no, there's no COVID excuse for that. It's Phil Spencer and his team would have been playing the regular demos of the working product versus seeing PowerPoints of this is how we're doing and, and you know, massage the progress. And it still flopped. Yeah. So basically, we have one company who has this um, high-value game service where you get day-on-date releases for AAA games, but has no AAA games. Then you've got another company who doesn't want yeah. to do day and date releases, who have an abundance of AAA games coming out. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it is. So, so you know what that says, it. guys? <laughs> Consolidation. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, Nintendo are never going to go to a subscription model, are they? And if they can still be a competitor, but not have the model, that gives Sony a Windows to kind of still play in the middle. I think that's which what, is what Sony they're doing. Are going to end up doing. In my kind of humble opinion, yeah. you're right about Nintendo. We kind of talked about them. They're not really that interested. I mean, they're, they're playing with other things, and that's a completely separate no. topic. But you know, yeah, yeah. And and the reality is, it's like uh, whether they'll be forced to or not. It just depends if people still want their content, mm. and very much so, people still want their content. They've got this far without having a a, a robust online service. So, game, you know, like a competitive Game Pass, get it? No, oh, it's 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 not that, is it? Is it good? I don't know enough about it, but it doesn't look good. What, what, I'm, what I'm trying to say is, it, it, it's definitely not good. It's very minimal. But their games aren't really designed to leverage it. It's all more yeah. single-player games, their IP, right? So, and and there's enough demand for that. And, and, and it's still geared towards the younger gamers, and that's not going to go away. And they have no competition yeah, in that exactly. space. They have well. no real competition in the, in the portable handheld space. They've got their niche, and... Whether they want to extend beyond that, that arena is largely down to their own ambition. You know, I think they're they're probably do, doing extremely well in terms of profit. I mean, it, it can't be that expensive to, to manufacture a, a Switch now. It was legacy technology when it came out. But anyway, look, I think we've talked enough about, you know, Xbox versus PlayStation and the new services. I think it's really, you know, now time to you know, end this kind of part of the uh, podcast and move on. Okay, guys. So it's it's come to that time in the podcast where we've got to basically, you know, say our goodbyes. And I'm going to ask that regular question: What games and tech-related things are you doing? Al, I'm going to start with you. Definitely a lot of work. <laughs> but I count. <laughs> You're on the wrong podcast. <laughs> Still playing. So I, I think I would say that I've played little to no Genshin 
so I've stopped pretty much because there's a lot of delays and stuff going on here. So I've pretty much ceased playing that, reduced my PGR play, but I've played a lot more Arknights. Arknights has been great fun. Tech-wise, tech-wise, not a huge amount. I think I might have already mentioned last time installing an, an SSD and stuff, but I haven't, I haven't really been doing too much. Still haven't applied the um, uh, the thermal pads to, to my graphics card and stuff, but um, yeah, not, not a huge amount on my side. I think that's, that's mostly it. How about you, Jay? What have you been up to? I've been quite busy, actually. So uh, I bought a new SSD for my PS5, the Western Digital Black. I uh, got one terabyte in there in my PS5, which I had fun installing. Um, and then I've gone deep into <laughs> the world of fighting games and watched so many YouTube videos and understood who are the kind of the, the main YouTubers in the space and watched the videos on Evo because I've kind of ignored all of that before. And I bought a, uh, a fight stick, a uh, Canva Obsidian, which is a huge <laughs> brick of a, of a fighting stick, but it's so nice to play on. Um, and I fall in love with fighting games. Uh, I bought King of Fighters 15, which I'm absolutely loving. <laughs> and I've been looking into the SNK history because all, all those characters have a lot of history. Uh, and we've been researched. There's a, there's a SNK coffee table uh, book that's being released as well, which I which I we've <laughs> got all the artwork, which I think I'm probably going to buy. I bought Guilty Gear Strive, which I've been playing, and I bought Mortal Kombat 11. There's a game on the horizon by Arc Systems called D DNF Duel, which is um, their latest game using an existing franchise. So they had um, uh, Dragon Ball Z before. Dungeon Dungeon Fighter Online is a popular Korean game, so it's got the characters from that. So I'm all about fighting games. Uh, I'm having to read. I might well have to learn again uh, how to use a fight stick and and just yeah. So I'm all in on fighting games at the moment, and I and I and I've, I've been playing Destiny on a Sunday. That's just been raiding the single the single player stuff. I've not really kind of been involved with, but that's me. <laughs> That's, that fight stick looked quite <laughs> solid in high end, was it? Oh yeah, it's it's, it's really nice. Um, I, I, there's a there's a more premium one by Victrix. All of the good fight sticks, there's no stock. There's literally zero stock. And I I found this in a kind of a boutique UK arcade store with quite a a, a, a <laughs> it's a rough website, pretty much, right? Interesting. But they they sell mostly mm. they sell mostly components. Yeah, yeah. But they they had stock of this, so I, so I picked this up. It's really nice to use. It's got the Samba components, Samba fight stick, and Samba buttons. And if you know yeah, about yeah, the yeah. arcade buttons, but it, it's meant to be the best. So yeah, I'm tapping away now. Thanks to me. Yeah, yeah. I, I've <laughs> kind of had a fight stick for a while. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. I guess it's my goal, right? So what have I been doing? I started playing Bloodborne for whatever reason. I'm I'm oh, really? Wow. I'm trying to get through my back catalogue and I kind of started trying to get through, you know, Last of Us 2 again. Um, so just dabbling on and off because I've been kind of like quite busy, you know, recently. And then, and by the way, I mean, you know, Last of Us 2, I can't help but be impressed by that game. Another one of these um, Sony first party games that you think, yeah, wow. You guys know what you're doing in terms of squeezing as much as you can out of this machine. And what else I've been doing? Uh, Tech-wise, well, had to um, try and f fix the cooler on my PC. You know, ended up there's nothing wrong with the cooler, by the way. It's just that I've got an OLED display on mm. it, and that seems to have gone kaput. 
but annoyingly it looks like I'm gonna have to change the thing so I'm I'm going through the motions of kind of going back to Cory's PC world to kind of do all of that nonsense so it's a bit annoying basically kind of configured a few things just kind of cha changed up the BIOS and other than that I've just been kind of like trying to learning learning tech but that's more of a job thing um, so so not much more than that really I mean I think in the next couple of months or you know I'm probably going to stop playing more games I mean that's the idea and just you know just trying to do a bit more with uh, with the podcast and basically started spinning up a blog that I'm going to use you know for for the podcast and you know stuff like that you know just dabbling in a bit of that kind of like a uh, search engine optimization and, and whatnot so and and prepping really hmm. kind of big kind of slide decks for this podcast you know let's not forget that yeah so <laughs> much much appreciated i quite enjoyed doing it it's a, it's very almost i don't even, i won't even call it geeky but it's very kind of a uh, therapeutic yeah, weirdly so. It's it's like I've I've, I've basically misproducing slide decks for some reason. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, I, I think I'll continue that and and just kind of you know post those things, just use them use them properly. That's me, really, guys. We're we're done for another podcast, and as you know, as you know, we kind of renamed the thing. So let's let's see how that goes, and uh, I think it's really just time for our, our goodbyes. Al, we'll start with you. Yeah, uh, goodbye from me, Al. And it's goodbye from me, Jay. And it's goodbye from me, Joel. And whatever you're doing, yeah, like, subscribe, and comment, and have a stellar day.